everyone, and welcome back to the Kowski cast. I'm Mary Kukowski, and this week we are back for part two of the Survivor Season 8 Look Back, also known as Matt and Mary Love Survivor All-Stars. Way too much. This is part two of our full rewatch of Survivor All-Stars in part one. We covered the first two episodes and the first two boots, Tina and Rudy. In this part, we will cover the next six episodes of the show and the vast majority of the pre-merge portion of the game. So now time to bring in my terrific partner for the series, Matt Ligori. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so excited that we're actually going through second episode here and we're going to keep going in this rewatch because we've been talking about this for a while now and I'm glad we're finally getting it done here. It's uh, funny, like just hearing you say that out loud. We just covered the first two episodes and now we're covering the next six. Does sound pretty crazy. There, There's, you know, it's a slower season. So we'll, uh, we'll, you know, hopefully not be here for the next six hours, giving you guys too much to listen to. Yeah, you know, we went two hours for part one of this series, but hopefully we're not going to be doing that this time for an hour for each episode. I think we're gonna breeze through it a little bit faster now that we did a whole lot of the setup in the first part. We're really jumping into the gameplay here and just looking back on this season that hopefully we're not the only two people who like this season, but sometimes it feels like that. Yeah, and it's just fun because obviously, like we mentioned in the first part, the fact that there's three people from this season that are gonna be returning in a couple of months from now for season 40, all winners. So we still have Rob, Amber, and Ethan that are still all in the game. One of them will be gone by the end of this episode here today, but you know, it's definitely interesting to watch what's going on with them because for two of them this is the last time that they played the game before the one that we're about to see and obviously for Rob uh, we're currently watching him still on our screens you know <laughs> with, uh, with in the lead up to season 40 so a lot of fun with all that yeah definitely it's been a little bit interesting going back and, and re-watching some of this stuff just with season 40 creeping closer and closer so we're getting all geared up for it but let's go ahead and just to not dilly dally too much since we know it's going to be a long podcast let's jump into episode 3 Shark Attack which aired on February 12th back in 2004 and boy was this an episode that just reminded me it was 2004. There's <laughs> certain things that we would not spend as much time with if this was 2019 Survivor. Yeah and here's the big question. Is it possible to call a gay man a stud? Yep ju- right in with that. Uh, my first notes say wow gets dated very quickly mm. so <laughs> yeah. You know something about Survivor All-Stars is you have all of these people from different seasons that you love for the first seven seasons or you know six seasons you loved and Survivor Thailand if you're me and me and me (laughs) (laughs) and and it's you know like Colby for example he was such a like leading man kind of guy in his season and something that's good or bad depending on who you like about this season is that you get you know you you don't get to see all of your favorite people stick around or necessarily see them in the same light that you did the first time and I think Colby with his uh, constant Richard Hatch comments is one of those people yeah I mean this entire uh, pre-merge is filled with that exactly just the just a bunch of people who were such big characters in their original season and I think that you know there's a lot of reasons I, I think why most people generally don't like this season as a whole and this the boot order from these few episodes that we're about to talk about has a lot to do with that somebody like Colby people uh, Ethan you know a winner uh, Richard another winner Sue a huge character like all of these people that had such a big legacy in their first season going out back to back to back while some of the like lesser important players coming into the game still stick around you have you know your Sheans and you have uh, Amber and Jenna and people who people at the time were not invested in in any way that are still sticking around into this season I definitely you know I understand why people didn't love it as much just from the perspective of like the gameplay which is you know something that reminds you of for a modern Survivor fan something like Game Changers where so like they had I mean that cast was terrible in the first place but the people that were good on that cast all going out so early just made the season completely unwatchable 
unwatchable. So, you know, like I've said last time, coming at this from the perspective of this was my first season, so I didn't know who these people were from prior to this. I just loved every second of it, or not every second of it, but a lot of seconds of it. But yeah, there's there's a lot to get into with these characters that are, their game is just like, they're, a, a lot of parts of them are just going to take a hit from the fact that things happen this season that, that I guess you wouldn't quite have expected coming into it. And you know, a lot of what we're going to see, especially here in the pre-merge, is this difference in tone between the three tribes and once they, you know, merged or, I don't know, joined together into two tribes, the difference between Shapira and the other tribes is that Shapira is the happy, fun tribe for the most part, and the other ones are a little more serious and have some of these big players from previous seasons who, for whatever reason, got on these tribes and have more more tension and just less levity, and they're the ones that are taking all the hits, and Shapira is more or less coasting through, I think, you know, in this in this six-episode chunk that we have here, they only lose once and have to vote someone out once, and then there's everything with Sue. So with the without those two parts there, this is the first time in eight episodes that they're really going to take a hit at all. And so if you're a fan of that tribe, you don't actually get to see as much of them because they're usually not the ones having to strategize and vote people out. Yeah, even in the early part of the game when Sue is still around, uh, you know, obviously she's not, uh, she's probably six out of six in terms of like people that you would have the most fun with being uh, on the beach of survi- on a survivor beach and playing the game, but they're still having a good time with her around. Obviously, they have to make that vote early on here where we're going to see Rob go home. But then after that, it just, they're still just close. They're friends. They're younger uh, for the most part. Obviously, Tom and Sue kind of bring that up a little bit, but they're, uh, to- they both act like kids uh, at the end of the day. So it, it's it's pretty much much like fraternity hangout that, you know, they every, uh, Rob invited everybody over to his frat house and uh, everybody's having a good time. Uh, you know, the stuff with Sue comes up and that kind of ruins it. But you just see Mogo Mogo having no fun at all as they just have to keep going to tribal and they keep having to vote people out. And uh, Shapiro, like you said, is just having a great time. And Mogo Mogo in particular had a lot of factors outside of the game as well. So starting off this episode, we see that Jenna is having uh, a hard time because her mother isn't doing well at home. Her mother is in a battle with cancer during this time. And so the combination of these horrible bug bites that everyone's getting and Jenna just not wanting to eat, Kathy describes her as acting like a wandering zombie. So you can you can see that the morale is already starting to dip on that tribe, even in episode three. Yep. And, uh, you know, the question I think for a lot of people was, how did Jenna even end up on this game? Like, how did she end up saying yes? How did they let her go knowing that this was happening at home? And I, I'm sure the answers are out there. I don't know, maybe you know uh, more than I do, but it sounded like just from what I remember hearing, just that she knew that this was the case, that her mom was sick, obviously, but she didn't, I, I guess, I mean, it's pretty much exactly what it plays out on the screen, that she just, it didn't hit her the magnitude of how bad it could be until she was out there and realized this is not where I need to be. Uh, and of course, I don't think a single person would blame her for the decision she makes, of course, being results oriented about it, the fact that, you know, she she gets home and look what happens eight days later. So of course she made the right call there. It's uh, crazy how that worked out. But, you know, it's uh, it, it's a tough, tough thing that she had to deal with. And I'm just glad that she was able to get home in time. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's an unfortunate series of events here with her coming on the show. I, I think... I think from from what I remember hearing about, she had sort of gotten the blessing from some other members of her family and possibly even her mom to go out there and to do it. But that, you know, even even with that, there's something that hits you on this show of, you know, and this is something we'll talk about in, in multiple of these episodes. When you're out on Survivor, even if you're with other people, you really are isolated and alone in your own thoughts a lot of the time and you're not able to really trust and share things with other people people. So if you're not getting 
you know, a letter from loved ones or the loved one visit or something, you really don't have other people to lean on in the same way that you would your family. And so I think just the dwelling on it as well, um, it, it didn't hit her until she got out there. So so that's, that's going to inevitably lead to her decision to leave the game. But before we get to all that, Richard Hatch has to bite a shark that bit him. So I'm sure everyone remembers that scene. I do. I, I definitely remember that just from, uh, you know, literally the first watch, not even the hundred watches that came after that. Just a wild scene of this guy biting a shark that he found in the ocean. And, uh, you know, because that's what everybody does when they find a shark in the ocean. Yeah, and it's it's a interestingly edited scene where you've got Richard telling this story to the cameraman while they're showing the footage of him wrestling with this shark and then and then getting bitten by it and then biting the shark. And the shark is probably, I don't know, a foot and a half, two feet long, maybe. It's a baby shark, but he is clearly so proud of himself for this story. And there may or may not be some embellishment about just how long he was waiting out there trying to get the shark and after it had latched on and things like that. But, you know, he brings the shark back in and then tells the rest of his tribe. And there's, throughout the next several episodes, there's this interesting relationship she Anne has with Richard Hatch, which is like, she kind of sees through everything that he says and does, but also just like loves the fact that he's out there and that she's getting to witness it all. Yeah, I mean, that's that's half of the uh, experience. The fact that you're on Survivor All-Stars with the winner of the first season and he's being exactly who you expected him to be. So she Anne has such low tolerance for pretty much everybody that's not named Kathy on this season uh, in the first place. But, you know, what did, what is she really going to do? Uh, you know, Hatch has already got a huge target on his back. It's not like she Anne needs to be extra mean towards him uh, in order to, you know, ensure that he's on the out. So that, like you said, th- that is a relationship to keep an eye on, but that's pretty much just Sheehan with everybody. Yeah. So this is probably my favorite challenge that they do on this season, possibly even one of my favorite challenges in all of Survivor, the Home Depot box challenge. Do you have the same fondness for this? I have the same fondness for it just because of what ends up happening, you know, with the Saboga tribe and then just the impressive nature of uh, the first beautiful camp that Rob built, you know, not counting the one that he's building at the moment on uh, what the hell is this? He's Island of the Idols. He's building like the seven star shelter out there. But this one is very much a five star shelter. Like I would love to live there. Yeah, this one definitely has a lot of added on odds and ends here. The three tribes are in this shelter building contest and it's it's not even an immunity contest, but it takes up like half the episode. The entire it's, thing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just the... Uh, the reward challenge. And I think probably if Jenna had not gone home in this episode and they had to play out an immunity challenge, we would have seen a lot less of this. But it's, you know, that's just fate and the way things work out. We end up getting to see a huge portion of this challenge, love it or hate it. And all three tribes have uh, interesting decisions on what they want to do. On Over on the Shapiro tribe, Big Tom and Boston Rob are like, all right, great. We're in construction. We're the big boys. We're going to build the shelter. They delegate poor little had Rob Sesternino to add the creative element with Alicia and Alicia just ends up bossing him, him around. I've heard Rob tell the story many times as well, Rob Sesternino, about what he was trying to help with, which was that he had seen a really big something that had washed up on the beach. I think it was like a wooden pallet or something and he was trying to bring it over to use as part of the building on the shelter and the production told him that he was not allowed to use it because it wasn't like a natural thing from that area. It was just something that had washed up. And so you even hear him on the episode saying, oh, I was trying to drag something heavy here, but I couldn't get it. And uh, and I think that's what he was referring to. So he gets designated to, to gather 
other rocks with Alicia. Yeah, and this episode, obviously going into next episode, is just the start of uh, Boston Rob doing a beatdown on on Rob Sesternino from the second uh, the second this challenge starts. Really, just uh, what's this guy doing? What does he think? He, you know, he doesn't know. He's he's walking around in La La Land. He has no idea what's going on, and it's just painting Rob in a very negative light from you know from a from an audience's perspective. I, I don't think he was really doing a single thing wrong here. He was just trying to you know help the tribe and trying to help. But, but when you have somebody like Boston Rob leading the charge here, anybody who's not on that level or just responding to every single like direct order that Boston Rob is giving out, uh, you know, Rob is playing along with Boston Rob's game as much as as much as you know he can and as much as uh, makes sense for him to. But like the fact that everybody else just fawns over uh, Boston Rob like every word that he says, just listens to his every order. I feel like that's just not something that Rob Sister Nino uh, was ever going to be like like have that, that wasn't going to come naturally to him. So it's a uh, it's a rough two episodes for him. Yeah, it's really interesting how you look at this show in terms of editing because they've gotten better at it now, I would say, in terms of hiding a little bit of what's going to happen in the edit. In this particular season, it's pretty clear from the start, like, where allegiances lie, who's going to make it far, who's going to be the hero that you want to watch out for, and Rob Sesternino getting a pretty invisible edit in the first two episodes, and then in these two episodes, getting the complete dodo edit. It's not looking good for him, and when you compare that to the edit that he got on his season when he came in third, it's just completely different. And, and you know, Boston Rob is the narrator on this season from pretty much the get-go, so you have a good idea that he's going to do fairly well. E- even someone like Lex on the other tribe is getting sort of a commander villain style edit, and so you know that something is probably going to happen with him. It's it's just something that you notice when you watch the season, I don't know, 10, 12 times. <laughs> yeah, no, I, absolutely. It's, uh, it's pretty easy to pick up on those things, which kind of leads us into the Saboga tribe's uh, shelter, which we probably are about to get into just the second that you see Rupert's idea. It, uh, you know, you know what's coming. Yeah, he wants to build a log cabin, which I don't think is the worst idea from the start, but definitely requires a lot of labor there. And, you know, since the Saboga tribe is only down to four people at this point, they all have to participate, whereas the other tribes gets to sit at least one, if not two people out. So they are actually, no, I guess they both get to sit two people out. Yeah. So <laughs> this, this tribe is a little bit of a mess there. They're trying to argue about what they're going to do. It's mostly Jerry versus Rupert. I think Ethan and Jenna also know that Rupert's idea is dumb, but would rather him be the scapegoat than really argue anything against it. Ethan is just glad that Jerry and Rupert are fighting, so it takes him out of it a little bit. Uh, and, And Rupert's plan, of course, is to dig down into the ground multiple feet so that it's not as hard to build this log cabin. And yeah, that's a dumb idea just from the start. Yeah, one of the most historic, worst, terrible, uh, I mean, has to be the number one worst shelter uh, made in Survivor history. I'm sure there's been other terrible ones, maybe ones that barely even had like a roof over it, but this has to be uh, number one for most people. It just, the fact that, you know, the water from the ocean could go right in the second that the tide comes up and, you know, Rafa eventually is going to come around and you see within seconds, he's like, oh, this is what the hell's going on here. So, you know, anytime you think of like a bad shelter or anytime, honestly, that I think of Rupert. I just think of the shelter um, because he doesn't have a whole lot of uh, survivor highlights, I would say, over the years. You know, he's been on so many seasons, but what moments does he really have that were like, oh, wow, like this was good for his game. This was good for him, like a memorable thing in a positive way. Uh, Obviously, he was such a big character, but some of the moments that stand out tend to be more of the negative ones. And this is definitely one that stands out for for poor Rupert. Yeah, I would say on my really quick thinking about like the top five Rupert moments, like wearing the skirt, not super positive necessarily building this shelter obviously
obviously not that positive. Stealing the shoes, that's a that's, that's a win. That's a good one, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, I don't know, volunteering for Laura is that is that one of his highlights? I maybe? I don't think that's one of them. I, I don't know, fishing, but like that's even a little bit questioned. And then uh, who voted for me? Yeah. are probably the the big Rupert highlights. So yeah, definitely more of just sort of an overall memorable character than really getting yeah, played by Russell in in uh, yeah. season twenty. Yeah, not not an amazing race going know. out second. Hurting his toe. Yeah, it's, it's it's not great. It's not. Well, great, hey, he but... also had the uh, you know he, the guy did win a million dollars on this uh, from this franchise. So I guess we have to count that as a win for him. Yeah, really more surprising that he didn't win the million dollars on a different season. I guess I guess if this is his second best season. Mm. Yikes. Oh, well. But yeah, so the Smoga Tribe is just a disaster overall. And the Mogo Mogo Tribe, interestingly, I I feel like some of it might have been the fact that their beach didn't seem quite as nice as Shapira's. They have a lot more sort of trees and brush going on, but they end up building like a multi-level treehouse kind of situation. I guess you can count it as multi-level if you're there's the bottom as well. But I, I think one of the benefits to theirs, they sort of have this loft area. And so that's protected off the ground. But in general, theirs just doesn't seem as sturdy as Shapira's, which I think is why they come in second. But they have they have some some cute things. They got like a, a balcony and a picnic yeah. table and stuff going on. Yeah, you see, and you see when uh, they find out for sure that they did not win the challenge. You see, they're like they're visibly upset, angry. They're like confused. They're like they must have some kind of like mansion over there if we just lost this, which is an understandable reaction. Like you said, it's it, they've got some stuff going on there. And most other seasons, I feel like they probably could have won uh, this challenge. They they did well. Uh, but this is just going to be the start of many challenges to come where Mogo Mogo has to deal with losing to Boston Rob and the Shapiro tribe and they're not happy about it. Yeah, and uh, it's also the start of a bit of the Sheehan-Colby tension that goes throughout this chunk of episodes where Colby is clearly not impressed with what Sheehan is bringing to the team and Sheehan thinks that Colby is kind of just the uh, cocky, good-looking leader who she wants to knock down a peg. So that's where we're going with that. Jenna eventually brings up to the other people on her tribe what's going on with her mom and she had mostly just sort of been bottling this in but she lets them know that she really doesn't want to be here and because of that decides to leave the game as well which is it's a it's a really contrasting moment with the Shapira tribe winning getting the clue to their rice tarps blankets pillows wine there's a lot more Robin Amber flirting and things like that and then cut to the Mogo Mogo tribe you know even though they have a nice shelter and came in second just not uh, not being up for for what um, what's going on here with Jenna. Yeah so I mean the scene of Jenna leaving the game is one of the like most memorable scenes for me in all of uh, the show like of, in all of Survivor history just um, the music that they use that they like maybe have used like one other time in the history of the show I feel like I remember hearing that I, I can't remember what the other time was I don't know if you do no but I definitely know I, I remember also noting it that they have used it like twice yeah and this is so obviously this is like the one other time uh, and it's just like this music to this day when I watch the episode uh, whenever I watch this episode recently it's just it, it gets you every time it makes me cry uh, no matter I know what's coming I know what happens I know that this was 15 16 17 18 years ago at this point and I just still every time I tear up just between you know watching Jenna make her decision uh, you know sh- knowing 
knowing what ended up happening a couple of days later and then just watching uh, the reactions from people who were not with her on her tribe and you know like Amber who wants to go run over and give her a hug and everybody is just you know very emotional because it just takes them out of the game for a minute to a very real place where they, they've been spending the past couple of days like everybody's playing the game everybody's just in this whole other world that, that they this is the Survivor All-Star season everybody's having a fun time and then it's like wait not everybody's having a fun time Jenna's having a real moment so she needs to get out of here and you know some people are more supportive than others but eventually Jenna does get on the boat and head out yeah I always forget that this happens so early I always feel like oh it happens you know episode five six somewhere on there but no this is episode three when when this happens and it there's a little bit of sort of weird editing kind of stuff that goes on with Jenna for example talking that she knows her mom's not getting better and Jeff cuts in and says oh you sound like you're getting updates you know which is kind of brings to question some of exactly how much does Jeff know that's going on how much did the producers just tell him hey ask this it's been brought up you know that kind of thing because this was you know at a point before Jeff was a producer with any capacity on the show he's you know just the host and not even to the extent that he currently is I will say this is also one of the moments where you note Jeff's future desires to kind of be like a talk show host kind of thing we have this kind of weird open forum where different people are chiming in sharing basically their thoughts on if Jenna should leave or if she should have even come out here in the first place which um comes across a little odd with given the fact that she's still there I feel like maybe if they had talked about this after she had left it would it would be a little bit less like I don't know questioning her decision while she's still there it, it's just kind of a it's a it's a hard moment and it's it's awkward in front of her but but when they they do bring in that music like you said and and she walks away it's this it's this look that she has where she turns and waves to to everyone as she's leaving that always gets me yeah, and I mean we know uh, obviously as the audience and uh, of course at the time people I think uh, were well aware of the fact that uh, her mom had passed away and all that but you know so we know as the audience what's going on but in the moment uh, like you said Jeff doesn't fully know exactly what's going on so in his mind you know he just one season ago had a guy quit the game of Survivor for the first time ever so he's looking at this like is this really happening again like on day nine and he says to her like if you're if if it's because you can't handle it she's like no I can handle it I did you know I handled it just fine last time this is different so you know he doesn't know how to react everybody doesn't know how to react you know Rupert was there or I don't know if he was even on the tribe uh with with Austin at the time who you know quit in Pearl Islands but you know not ever nobody else in the game has experienced before somebody leaving the game voluntarily no one else has experienced uh somebody leaving that did not get voted out or you know ended up in the final two so this is just new for everybody the fact that somebody is uh choosing to leave so you know there's a lot of confusion a lot of uh things that are said like Alicia who says like oh well I wouldn't do that I, or no she says I wouldn't have come uh, and it's like yeah no that's not something you really should be saying right now but you know I I don't know it's like I said it's the first time that they're dealing of dealing with it I'm sure if they could go back some of them would have said different things but you do have people like Rob here who stands up and say uh or Boston Rob uh, that is there's still two Robs in the game and he's saying that we shouldn't even question her obviously they understand or you know some of them understand this is a real situation we've got to let her go and you know that's what she wants yeah you you mentioned what Alicia said and Kathy sort of says a similar thing earlier in the episode basically saying that you know she Jenna shouldn't be here if this was the uh, circumstance that she knew that was happening when she went into the game but then later when Alicia reiterates the same point that Kathy made earlier Kathy's like look you know she already admits the mistake that she made coming out here kind of stands up for her yeah it's it's the thing about Rupert since he was there when Austin had quit the game in the previous season I think for him and you note the same thing when Sue leaves for Rupert he really is just looking at this 
as I think he factors in like, oh, but this is such a big deal being out here and to win. And it's it's so I could never imagine quitting because it's not in Rupert's DNA to quit for anything. And, you know, I, I almost feel like he doesn't really make the connection of Rupert. What if this was your family? Like, are you saying you would stay here? Whereas Big Tom, on the other hand, does say, you know, I told my family before I left, if anything happens to y'all, I'll see you when I get back, basically. And that was the decision he made. But he also notes that he made that decision for Big Tom and not for anyone else. Yeah, cut ahead to two seasons later where Rupert volunteers to leave the game on day, uh, on on minute one of the game for a family related reason where his wife ends yep. up getting, uh, you know, immediately voted out of the game. Uh, her spot is offered up if Rupert wants to switch in. And within seconds, he's like, yep, I'm out. You're in. Yeah. So I wonder, you know, makes you think, did Rupert and Laura have a conversation when he got home about this saying, hey, no, if this was me, you would you would leave the game. And uh, I guess that's, you know, that is proof there. Good to good to see that people do seem to learn from from their times on Survivor and change things with age and with time. So yeah, it's a it's an overall really, really sad moment. And of course, like you mentioned earlier, the end title card when she leaves says that Jenna rushed home to be by her mother's side and her mom lost her battle with cancer eight days later. So of course, looking at it with that light, it's it's great that Jenna was able to be a part of this season for a little while, but that she, uh, you know, clearly made the made the right choice by going home. Yeah, and uh, just final thoughts, just, uh, you know, it was a very sad situation, but, uh, you know, if you're asking me, like, do I wish that, uh, you know, do, or am I mad that she was there in the first place? The answer is no, because, you know, this is a shitty thing to happen. Nobody wants this to, to happen uh, in any way, but it did end up in a very human moment for everybody in the game to just get some uh, raw reactions, to take these people out of the survivor setting for a second and just kind of remind everybody watching and everybody playing that like, okay, this is not uh, like this game isn't life or death, like real life might be. And that uh, that always comes first. So, you know, it, it was it was a good moment to uh, have that be reminded to everybody at the very least, if, you know, if nothing else. It's also just good to note that, you know, we're all human and you can change your mind. You can make decisions and change your mind. And whether that be making a decision to come out on the game and change your mind after that or thinking something's, a, you know, not a big deal one, one moment and deciding to, you know, or, or and changing your mind later and, and whether, you know, people don't have to be consistent in the same way that you maybe think they would if it was if it was just purely game. But right. there's real life involved in all of this. Right. Well, we uh, we lose Jenna here and we're, we're very close to losing Survivor Amazon as a whole for this season. Yeah. So let's get into that, into episode four, Wipeout from February 19th, 2004. It's been raining and it is not great. But luckily they had this challenge right before the rain came in where they could could start building these shelters but on Shapira Big Tom notes that they need a boat to get out of their shelter at this point. Lots and lots of rain uh, so good to see that these guys are you know not just playing the game but they're also dealing with the elements in a season that pre- pretty much like takes you out of the uh, you know what Survivor was originally about uh, dealing with the elements being a big factor in some of the early seasons so uh, I, w- I was happy to see that this season was uh, very similar along those lines. Yeah definitely so of course on the lighter side of things Boss and Robin Amber are doing fine. They're sleeping all night, cuddled up under the blanket, and we get probably one of the best Rob Sesternino quotes from this season, which is Boston Rob and Amber are gonna do it. I don't know when, but they're gonna do it. Yeah. And that's one of my favorites. His best line maybe across two seasons, at least uh, it's the one that I remember the most. So, uh, great line there. Yeah, it's great. So, this is right here, it's it's interesting to see that, you know, it's because of Boston Rob and Amber that the survivor sort of romantic power couple 
really is a problem in the future. And what's interesting about it is that this was one of the first ones and it really is only looked at this way because they came in first and second place. If they hadn't come in first and second place, we probably wouldn't have looked at power couples in quite the same light. But, you know, even when you get to to the next few seasons and there is any flirting going on, people wonder, it factors in, you know, are, is this going to be another Robin Amber kind of situation? And in most of those other cases, that couple probably isn't on the same strategic social level as Robin Amber anyway, or, you know, athletic level, whatever it be, may be. I think it just so happens that Robin Amber were in a romantic pair, but were also good at the game and uh, kind of ruined it for everyone else. Here. Yeah, I mean, they, they were good at the game, at least, you know, from uh, looking at it where Boston Rob obviously controlled everything that happened in the season. Uh, they made it to the final two. They got, I mean, if you're looking at it from like a couple years down the road, they, of course, they were uh, engaged by the end of the uh, finale. Uh, when the season was wrapped up, they were engaged. And next thing you know, they're getting married. And then a couple years down the line, you know, kids are going to start popping up. Uh, so, you know, it definitely does ruin it for any future couples uh, to see like, wow, uh, we can't let this happen because we know the power of it just based on, you know, his, in historical terms, it could go all the way. It could be uh, something this strong and we can't let that get in the way of our game. So, uh, you know, uh, I'm sure anybody on season 40 uh, will be very happy to keep this couple around for a second time. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how they're going to do this time around. It's not looking good, but if they do, you know, bring back some of these twists from the last few seasons, maybe they'll have an easier time at it. Or at least they could, you know, cuddle up on Extinction Island for 39 days. <laughs> yeah, we'll see if we get any other good quotes out of anybody over that. Boston, Rob, and Amber are going to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> again. Oh, no, don't tell their four children. <laughs> Saboga, on the other hand, not looking good. Shelters destroyed, filled up with water immediately. You get a really classic Jerry line of, it's not worth it. <laughs> oh, gosh. It's not. And... I mean, at this point, you're living with Rupert. <laughs> you're living with Jenna Lewis. Like, I know that they were kind of working together at this point, but like, uh, that's not the that's not the dream team uh, that you want to be stranded in a shelter like this on a losing tribe. You have no, you have literally nothing going for you in the game. Uh, you know, this this isn't a lot of fun for, for Jerry, for Ethan, for anybody out there. Yeah, Ethan even mentions that people had been wondering during the night if anyone was going to come and rescue them. And he's like, no one's going to rescue us. It's Survivor. Yeah, funnily enough, in yeah, but... uh, later seasons, they would get rescued. <laughs> it might but... happen if you stick around a little bit longer. And, you yeah. know, you're coming back. Maybe it'll happen again. Yeah, we'll see. But mostly, I just think poor, poor sad Ethan that he has to deal with these people in this tribe. Yeah, a, a, lot of, oh. a lot of poor sad Ethan uh, coming up in the next, you know, couple of episodes. Yeah, the Mogo Mogo shelter is, is doing all right. Uh, I think it, yeah, looks a little better than, than they had. Uh, the Shapiro shelter really got lucky with the fact that they have a tarp and blankets and a, uh, like, parachute that they're using as walls in this in this shelter. Mm -hmm. It's keeping out a lot of the rain. Richard Hatch catches some eels, and he does his sort of classic thing of catching fish and then leaning back and just letting everyone else cook and clean them and relaxing. Lex, on the other hand, feels like he just wants to win so that they can get the third key to the rice box so they won't have to rely on Richard for food any longer. Yeah, wouldn't that be nice? But I mean, Richard is still uh, in the same position he's been in all season just in terms of he knows that his time in this game is probably pretty limited. So in the meantime, he's having fun. And then I think, you know, along the way, he kind of realizes that by being the uh, the guy that's getting all the fish, by being the, the provider, he might actually be buying himself a little bit of time. Like maybe there's a chance that people do see him as valuable enough where if he just keeps feeding them day in and day out that he will make it past a vote or two. You know, probably hard to say for sure. You know, 
if the, if he was actually, you know, if he had any confidence that he was going to make it past a vote, because I think he knew what the situation was. But, you know, in the meantime, he's he's doing his best. I think especially after seeing Tina getting voted out first and then Rudy, who's was one of his closest, probably pregame allies. You know, I wonder if this game would have been different if Richard Hatch had instead of just trying to hang out and be a provider and see how long he makes it, if instead he had really tried to game hard like he did in the first season, what would have happened? Probably he would have just been voted out faster, but you never know. You know, maybe maybe Sheehan would have wanted to work something with him. Who knows? I, I think it's probably more of just that he came in knowing, look, I'm only going to make it until we lose and they have to get rid of me. But uh, it, it kind of stinks that he never really got to play the game. He was voted out because they knew how good he was, even though he wasn't really doing anything this time around. At the very least, I'm glad he stuck around to be at least in this uh, upcoming immunity, uh, not immunity, the reward challenge that uh, I, I love this challenge so much. So I'm glad he was there for that. Yeah. So the uh, the matching game, which <laughs> Rob Sesternino is the only one, I guess, at this point left who, who has played this before in the Amazon. He comes in and uh, pastors his tribe by <laughs> saying, we've played this game with kisses and hugs, but now it's time to <laughs> see if you can eat bugs, which is one of my other favorite parts, mostly just because Sue is standing sort of around the corner and she's like, oh, yeah, I'll eat anything. And he's like, no, no, we're uh, I was I was kidding. She's like, what? <laughs> okay. And this is the kind of thing where like 2004 Boston Rob is out there like this nerd needs to get out of my face before I throw him into the ocean. And it's not making it's not making Rob's life out there any easier to be uh, to be making cute little jokes in front of Boston Rob, who's uh, exuding extreme masculinity and having Rob's sister Nino around uh, is probably ruining that for him. Yeah, there wasn't really a great tribe for Rob Sesternino to be on. Maybe he would have found some footing on Saboga. I think he would have had a similar problem with Ethan and Lex and Colby as he did with Boston Rob if he was on Moco Mogo. Uh, you know, actually, if Rob was on there, if you swap out one of um, Ethan or Lex or so on Mogo Mogo with Rob Sesternino, maybe he would have worked with Richard Hatch. I, that's the only other thing I could think of that would have gone different for him. But, you know, he, he was the same nerdy kind of guy on Amazon, but I guess just the people he was working with, he, he he found a footing with some of the girls and with, you know, Alex, and that was really what he needed to keep going in the game, but he, and, and he was just kind of light years above everyone else uh, strategically, but not the same in this game. And that's fine. He's, you know, obviously, I don't love the way that it goes for him in this game. You know, at the time, couldn't even tell you who he was, so I didn't really care a whole lot, but looking back, I'm like, oh, I wish we had like a second season with Rob. That would have been a lot of fun, but, you know, at least uh, the moments that he does have in the game, he does, you know, he gets crapped on by uh, Boston Rob a little bit, but he does have some funny lines, uh, including, again, with this upcoming challenge, he's got a couple of funny lines prepared for uh, for his fellow contestants. Yeah, so this reward challenge is the, of course, the sort of go fish style matching game where everyone's got a box that they open and has various items in it. Uh, the first time they did this, the items, I think, were just the, like, the items they were playing for, the toothbrushes and the soap and whatnot. And they're playing for the same reward this time, sort of survivor toiletries and stuff, but the items are all, like, shells and seeds and rocks so there's there's some pretty pretty great moments in this uh rob's also really good at this challenge yeah i, I just uh I, I don't even know why this stands out to me as a challenge that i like so much but i mean it, it's just like seeing them interact seeing some of them seeing jeff's s- surprise when all of them suddenly do like so well at it like it doesn't seem like a, a a challenge that you have a whole lot of skill in like it's obviously memory based but uh you know there's not it's not like they have 20 different items that they're going through there's like 10 or less items and uh, you know they're all right next to each other so half of them can see inside of each other's boxes uh, and it you know it wraps up fairly quickly but 
but just the dynamic of watching them all interact for the first time like all together is so much fun yeah so did you have any particularly good lines you liked from this challenge was it rob where he was saying uh i can read your mind and then the other one oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah that that's a good one rob is talking to C- kathy takes rob shell and uh she goes oh i can read your mind and he goes oh can you can you read it yeah. now <laughs> that, that's a good one when she's walking away he also shouts oh snap at one point which just really reminded me that it was 2004 at this point can you get my uh, hey rich you have a sea sponge uh you will never get my sea sp- or whatever they were talking about there yeah. i didn't write it down but i have this it's... you know all, all in my head oh yeah there's there's a lot of that going on one of the great things about this challenge even though it's it's not really a whole lot to look at besides everyone just kind of standing around is that both the the times that they've done this and have they done it again after this one or is this an amazon the only times they've done I it i don't think they've done it again because I, um, I wish that they did yeah it's it's really just a nice sort of early game get to know you for the other tribe so that you can kind of meet each other and, and of course when they did it in the amazon it was it was great because it was uh you know the girls and guys really wanted to talk there was just a lot of a lot of thirsty guys on that season who wanted to, to hang out with the girls and meet them um and you know if so, this if this challenge happened today it would have been like the same situation with like three of the boots have an idol underneath that you have to grab while everybody's staring oh, at you right yeah exactly exactly <laughs> the, the other thing that's great is just that a couple people mostly richard hatch and jenna just like keep open their box to take something out and just leave it open and everyone sees inside it and just not good at their games which is uh it's probably there's, why shapiro there's wins. always those players like you're playing uno you're playing cards or something and you have like the player right next to you and it's like you know that i'm gonna look at your cards if you keep them so widely open next to me so you, you do you but i'm gonna stare yeah exactly so shapiro wins and big tom carries the toilet back over his head <laughs> iconic uh it's just another, another iconic moment of boston rob stating that it's probably not the first time big tom has head in, in the toilet yes. which was definitely something that i did not understand as a child watching this no cer- <laughs> certainly not <laughs> I, I couldn't even begin to tell you what i thought it might have been i just you know i guess uh people like Bo- uh i almost said boston tom like big uh big tom just <laughs> go around with uh toilets on their head that just makes sense right yeah exactly so everyone's bathing in the water got a lot more of that going on and then just because this has to be the rob Cesternino dodo episode they're uh they're trying to find their third key for this rice box that they've been has been like a sort of a semi subplot of the last several episodes but it's it's just so not very interesting and uh they're they're a little quick note of how big is a pace and they're all trying to figure out how big a pace is which just gave me uh gave me token sheen's flashbacks a little bit yeah so pretty much to to wrap up rob's story here as you know we're uh we're getting to the end of his time on survivor all stars you know we we see here that he's just uh, boston rob says this kid's living in la la land he's just not fitting in with everybody else find out later on that he made an alliance with boston rob and amber and he's you know trying to work with them but obviously rob and amber have their own thing going on and they have options that they can go with uh this side or uh stick with rob and at the end of the day it really didn't seem like they were ever going to stick with uh sister nino like they made that deal just kind of to make him feel comfortable or if they needed that to fall back on but you know at the end of the day he just did not really fit in with this five and it's it's really not going to work out for him this time so sad to see that this ended up this way but when you have you know you have two people that are cuddling up in rob and amber you have tom who obviously is uh, very connected to to rob and then you have somebody like sister nino who's such a big threat from his first season it's like how do you not take this guy out first yeah and and there's a lot of foreshadowing in this episode you know with 
with Rob not being able to find the key and digging in the sand. And I think Boston Rob says, like, oh, the kid's over there building a sandcastle and we're doing the real work. And then just with, like, even after they find the rice, Alicia saying, oh, we're so far ahead of the other tribes. It's insane. You you know that they're going to lose this immunity challenge, which is uh, Rob has mentioned many times that he now has, like, a personal vendetta against blindfold challenges because of this, which, and it's really unfortunate because he gets sat out. He doesn't even play in the challenge and it's it's a challenge that I like watching mostly just for how many terrible hits people take in this challenge with people tripping over the pieces which are like these giant I don't know wooden I guess um puzzle pieces they're they're huge they're like Tetris pieces and Big Tom just gets like clocked right in the head with one and uh I I, I took a gif of it because it's it's a really quality moment to watch but you can see Rob Cesarino in the background just like Ooh. hiding his head yeah, yeah like it's, very, it's not good. very cringy uh, yeah the uh a, there's a lot of challenges this season where if there's anything physical involved i'm like there's no way they can do this challenge today like there's somebody's going to get hurt i don't know how more people didn't get hurt obviously people did get hurt every once in a while in some of these older seasons i don't think uh there's anything too severe this season unless i'm forgetting anything but you know plenty of other seasons have you know injuries that have uh taken some people out of the game and some that just caused them bad injuries you know that end up staying around so you know that's that kind of comes with the territory but this one is brutal and uh, you know they I think they do it definitely a couple more times with this format with these big blocks for this particular challenge but the blindfolds haven't gone anywhere uh, even in current seasons we're still getting blindfolds as recent as this one it was though the only <laughs> this is the only type of challenge that me and my siblings and my friends growing up when we play out in the woods and play survivor this was the only challenge we would ever do like for ourselves which was blindfold each other have a collar and try to go get us to collect puzzle pieces usually it was one at a time and so we didn't have any chance of running into each other, but this was something we did a lot uh, with much, much smaller puzzle pieces, usually made out of paper. I'm, I'm jealous um, to hear this because I wish I had uh, anybody my age that uh, A, wanted to play with me or B, wanted to play Survivor <laughs> with me. Yeah, well, 90% of us playing Survivor was building the shelters, which for whatever reason we named um, Alinta or Alinta, which I think was from Survivor Nicaragua. It was like the name of the merge tribe. I don't know why that was the name, but must have been must have been top of mind at that point when we were out there playing that game. Love a uh, love a good Nicaragua uh, Nicaragua w- reference. Oh, that's hard to say. Nicaragua reference. <laughs> you didn't get much closer. Right there, <laughs> and now I'm like, hold on, Survivor Nicaragua. No, you're right. That, that I was the second Is, you said that's the name of the merged. The tribe, second you right? said Alinta, I was like, yeah, that's Nicaragua. Yeah, that's what I thought. Plus, there's okay, like, isn't now... there somebody on that season named like Alina? Oh wait, no, that's why I'm mixing up. It is no, it's Libertad. What? I... Okay, Alinta is, is is the name of a merged tribe somewhere. Well, Alina. So it's Alina. <laughs> That's on Nicaragua. Is that what? Yeah, that's what we're both thinking that's, of. That's why. That's okay. why I was mixing that up. I well, I have no idea what season it is, but one of the seasons. When we come back for our Nicaragua rewatch, we'll uh, we'll have figured that out by then. Oh yeah, yeah. I I feel like it's it's one. Of, I just remember I looked it up at one point and I was like, why did we choose that name? Because it wasn't a season that I had particularly liked or remembered that well. But you know, this was a while ago. I probably think about what year it was. And it was okay, Survivor Vanuatu. Um, you Google quick Vanuatu close. Help me out. Here. All right. Well, Lopevi and I was working my way back. Turned into a Okay. Lincoln. Never mind. Anyway, Glad we got Survivor that. Survivor Vanuatu, but which is you know fine season, but I don't I don't 
I remember it more on a rewatch than I did as a kid. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so uh, also another thing to note is that watching these challenges on 1.5 speed is really the way to go. That uh, you, you whip through them and, and everything looks much, much more intense and brutal. Of course, the Shapira is the first tribe to get all their pieces back. Alicia does a great job calling for this, but they really struggle on this puzzle, which is like a cube puzzle. I know that Rob Cesarino has also said that he thinks that Boston Rob or perhaps someone else on his tribe were not necessarily trying their hardest with the puzzle, maybe potentially throwing it a little bit. I don't know if that's just a conspiracy theory or if that's ever been actually stated by Boston Rob, but uh, he has definitely shown himself to be better at puzzles in the future, so. Yeah, I don't really have a whole lot on uh, on this challenge. It's just, uh, it was very sad, like I said, to watch back and just see the, how this wasn't going well for Shapira in terms of, uh, you know, wanting to see Rob have any kind of success. Uh, Sister Nino, that is. I, and if, you know, if anything else, if nothing else, maybe, maybe we should be glad that one Rob is going here so that we can stop having to clarify for the next couple of hours that we're recording about this season. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's really just shows you the, the control that Boston Rob had on the game at this point. He pretty much has an alliance with everybody and he's definitely working with Amber and Big Tom. And like you said earlier, Rob Sesternino thinks he's in an alliance with them, but it doesn't end up going that way. Uh, they mentioned at Tribal Council, the only other thing I have wrote, written down is some of the talk about the snuggling and Amber says, I'm 25 and young and having fun. And Big Tom says, I'm 48 and watching and having fun. <laughs> Which is uh, just something else. Yeah, and uh, I, I also wrote down Rob's comment about, uh, you know, w he like looks to Amber for uh, advice or, or like permission to whatever was going on. And uh, Probst is like, you see, it's like she's already like your wife. Like you're looking to her for, yeah. for answers. Yeah, consulting her. So that's definitely a through line here. But unfortunately, Rob Sesternino voted out five to one. There's a bit of pushback earlier on when they're discussing the vote. It seems like Big Tom would have rather had Sue or Alicia going out. Big Tom has just constant arguments with Sue and they do not get along anyway. Uh, so I think that's where his mind was going more of. But Rob wanted Alicia out, Rob Sesternino that is, and um, Big Tom does not end up voting with him. So we get that 5-1 sad vote. And of course, pretty much instantly after the first name comes up, Rob knows it's him. And it's a, it's a very sad reaction. You here. see him mouth a particular word that, uh, you know, you, you can tell he's not very happy. He drops a, a, a very silent f-bomb as he realizes where the votes are coming in it's something else i don't know when they started changing this but they don't blur mouths at nope. all in this season <laughs> they'll, they'll bleep it but they don't uh they don't blur anything yeah, no so. i mean i i can tell you that i did not pick up on that when i was a kid so or maybe i did i don't know maybe i did but i, I definitely stood out a lot more uh you know rewatching it as an adult are we adults yeah. i don't even know i you know I, I, my parents told me i'm still i still kids still sit at the kids table until i have children of my own so <laughs> fair, if that fair tells enough you uh, anyway so yeah that is sad exit for for episode four but it, it you know rob's gone on to bigger and better things yes so um in terms of timing i think we are doing okay uh we got through <laughs> two episodes in a little under an hour so you know if uh if we're, we're trying we're, we're trying to get there <laughs> we're trying we can see if uh see if we can speed up on some of these other ones but episode five i've been bamboozled february 26th 
immediate jumping into this episode right into the reward challenge because when you gotta have two challenges in every single episode you gotta you gotta jump yeah, in it like catches you off guard the fact that like the second this episode starts we're reading tree mail about what this uh, reward challenge is going to be and you know they obviously get their supplies they uh they have to build a raft to uh to be racing in this reward challenge and uh you know we get some uh, a funny line from colby over on mogo mogo they have to build a raft that can carry 260 pounds a hatch so uh it's going to be a fun challenge for these guys to maybe put together not the most fun to watch but you know that that comes with uh, these early seasons yeah and I think this is gives you a better idea of what the house building challenge would have looked like had we also had the immunity challenge that episode it's uh it's a pretty quick segment of them building it mostly Saboga's like oh we just want to do better because we did so poorly last time and Mogomogo is like you know what? whatever <laughs> they end up just strapping together the two bundles of bamboo that they were given for the challenge and leaving it at that Colby says pure laziness made the raft, so they don't really do much. On the Shapira side of things, they build a pretty nice looking boat. Big Tom is drunk because he's drinking the uh, the whiskey that they got at some point, I guess with the rice. I don't know. They, there's a lot of alcohol in this there season, really is, actually. Yeah. And I know there's more to come in the post-merge. So. Drinks are flowing. Yeah, so uh, Big Tom shouts that the raft is the best built thing since Alicia, which is uh, another thing that I didn't quite understand when I was a kid, but yeah. And, so, you know, probably not. Uh, a, I don't know if that's a comment that makes the air in 2019, but uh, it, probably it not. did in 2004. Yeah. Sue peeing on the raft to christen in the vessel is uh, is another thing. No, that now happens. that's something I wish would happen in 2019. Like we, we need someone out there that's just going to, you know, uh, give no Fs and just go pee on the raft. Yeah. Yeah. So that happens um, and they name it the Susie Q. So it, it, it is a lot of even though you have this these arguments between Sue and Big Tom where they clearly don't like each other. It's all in a kind of jokey, jovial tone that definitely makes them the, uh, you got the happy tribe, Shapira, the serious tribe, Mogo Mogo, and then just the depressing tribe. Yeah, this, like, it it does, this tribe does seem like a family. Like, Sue and Tom, you definitely could see as, like, one, as, like, two of eight siblings in this huge family that are just always at each other's throats, but at the end of the day, like, you know, it's not like they're actively, like, hating each other. It's just, uh, you know, it is what it is. They, uh, they, they get at each other's throats all the time and uh, I don't know it's it's all family things yeah definitely <laughs> at the uh, at the challenge people are surprised that Rob Sestrinino is gone and uh, I think Jeff says something like oh you can see anybody nobody's safe in this game so just a, a quick challenge where they paddle out grab the tribe members and uh, use what do you do yeah you just pick up your flag and come back they win fishing hooks and the Hawaiian sling uh, <laughs> props shouts that you've already that uh, Shapira has already had their rice and most of their whiskey uh so i don't know how he knows that but maybe they showed up to the challenge yes intoxicated that's definitely possible yeah. and the big twist here is that the last page place tribe is going to be dissolved into the other two tribes which i always looked at even though they announced it at the beginning of the challenge as something like oh well clearly they know that saboga is gonna lose because that's the most convenient tribe to dissolve they have to hope that that's the case but imagine how different this season would be if either Shapira or Mogo Mogo got split up here and obviously it would have been like a weird split like three to two 
obviously going off in different directions, but like imagine the fun tribe of Shapiro, like just had a bad challenge day and we ended up with like Boston, Rob and Amber on different tribes or, uh, you know, uh, just this entire group getting split or Kathy uh, and Lex being split for like the rest of the pre-merge. It's just crazy how different this game would have been. You know, obviously I would say best case scenario ended up being what happened here, uh, that Saboga uh, was the one who got dissolved and they split off into what seems like just the most, most natural directions for the rest of these Saboga members to be split off to. Yeah, I, you know, I, I almost feel like when I look back at this is like, oh, uh, Rupert and Jenna were always I, I completely Shakira. forget that they weren't always there. Like in the first few yeah. episodes, I don't even think about it. But then when they show up and, and this happens and then they become Shapiro members, I'm like, like mind blown. I'm like, wait, what? This wasn't already happening? Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a very natural direction they go in. And of course, uh, putting Jerry over on the sad tribe is just the, <laughs> the way to yeah. go. Uh, so they can all rub off on each other some more. So Saboga's raft is the best, but the slowest, or best looking, but is the slowest. And uh, reverse that with Mogo Mogo's two bundles of bamboo and Richard Hatch. So Mogo Mogo, it's actually, they they get their uh, their first place victory, which is one of the, one of the few ones they get. And uh, that allows them to pick Colby, or the pick first. Um, Colby picks Ethan because he wants to get rid of him. So he wants to uh, do the old put you on my tribe so that I can control how long you last in this game, which is uh, some pretty innovative thinking for season eight. And it's I don't think that they plan to throw a challenge at any point to get rid of Ethan. But it's a it's a good thing to do in case you do lose that you've got that expendable player. Yeah, you uh, you know, looking at the options here anyway, uh, I don't think I think Colby feels pretty confident in his group anyway. He already feels like the Mogo Mogos. Uh, I don't know if he's including Richard in that, but he feels like they have something good going. And, you know, whoever he adds on here, uh, he, he kind of wants to keep Shapira or, or all of them want to keep Shapira from growing stronger while also getting rid of any of the big threats in the game. I mean, I think that there are better moves on the table if they want to keep growing onto their Mogo Mogo group. Taking in the people like Rupert and Jenna would have been the better move. You know, hope that you send Ethan off to the other tribe and then they just vote him right out the next time that they lose. Uh, obviously, Shapira is the one who ends up benefiting from this because they do have, you know, people like Boston, Robin, Amber end up making these strong relationships with Rupert and uh, Jenna. But I mean, Mogo Mogo doesn't have the greatest uh, time this season in the first place. So I guess, you know, you can kind of look back to this as what might have started that. But I don't know. I, it's like, it's not the worst picks. It's just, I definitely think there could have been a better way to go. And of course, so Jerry also gets brought to that tribe, they say later, because they thought that Ethan hadn't bonded as much with Jerry. So no real chance of the two of them teaming up. And then Jenna and Rupert go to Shapira, which is a good time. On Mogamogo, Jerry is glad to be there. She hated being on Saboga, and I think uh, at least the one beauty of this is that she gets away from Rupert and doesn't have to argue with him anymore. They they find their rice and whiskey, so kind of sad that the Saboga rice and whiskey is just left out on that island all by itself. It's uh, gone. It's in the shelter with the rest of everything <laughs> yeah. else that they owned, and they're never going to find it again, so uh, just we'll, yeah. we'll just let that camp be uh, at peace. Um, yeah, I was going to ask yeah, you, who do you who do you, uh, do you think that Jerry and Candace Cody have ever gotten together and uh, just gone out for drinks and bonded over how much they hate Rupert? Oh, they really should if they haven't already. Yeah, I don't know who Jerry hates more in this season, Colby or, or Rupert. Yeah, I mean, they but... obviously spent a lot of time together on Heroes versus Villains, and I'm sure that they got to talking about some of that stuff there. But I mean, it, later on, uh, when Candace has to be stuck with Rupert again over in Blood versus Water, it's like, ugh, this is uh, these two women are just not able to get away from this guy. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's rough. Um, Jerry could also bond with uh, Amanda Kimmel for with uh, for hating.
including Colby and the fact that he uh, gave that that clue to the immunity idol to Danielle instead of yes instead of Amanda. So just all kinds of cross season bonding that can happen for these people. But we still we still have a uh, you know we uh, we've added a couple people here and there, but Shapira is uh, just as big of a family. So not much has changed there. The uh, two new members are welcomed in just uh, you know just as much as uh, I guess anybody would have if this was Ethan and Jerry. Uh, I mean Jerry's absolutely no fun at this point in the game, but I think they would have tried to uh, to welcome her in. They're they're just having fun. They just want to keep it going. Yeah, I think the only interesting thing there would have been seeing Amber and Jerry together since they had been teamed up. Oh, we'll, we'll get there. Back. Yeah, I, I know it happens at some point later in the season, but uh, it's a little bit different circumstances. It becomes a little bit more one or the other at that yeah. point. Yeah, Ethan also just is a little bit sad Ethan times without being able to catch a fish for his team and, you know, not wanting to not wanting to start a competition to be a provider between him and Richard. So he's just kind of really can't find his footing in this game. Shapira is doing fine. And, and then we go into this next immunity challenge, which is pretty infamous for a couple different reasons, actually. First off, the challenge itself is a pretty neat challenge. You've got the, these balance beams where you have to go across the other side and collect some flags and bring them back to your side. I think 20 flags. And there's a battle zone in the middle where you could get to the battle zone and just the first person to land in the water loses and the other person gets to continue on with their flag. Uh, initially in the challenge, everyone just kind of minds their own business, does not try to get in the battle zone and just, just trying to get the flags. Some people are better at this than others. Rupert is pretty hopeless. I don't think he ever makes it across to the other side at all. And then you've got people like Boston Rob who are pretty much just running across the thing. Yeah, this uh, definitely qualifies when I was saying earlier about a lot of these challenges that uh, just would not be good to run anymore. Uh, it's the potential for people to get hurt is just so high. I mean, if they did, if they wanted to do this on like, like completely over water, would love that. If they wanted to do this, um, like, or even over like sand, I don't know, just the, a, a lot of different parts of this where like where they're able to fall, it doesn't seem like uh, very safe. And, you know, the attack zone is like the amount of people that get pretty decently banged up on that is bad. And then obviously, yeah, like you said, this is an iconic challenge for all the wrong reasons. And it's, uh, you know, something that uh, this challenge is, is something that we've been thinking about also a lot recently as of something that's come up on uh, this current season, Survivor 39 with uh, Island of the Idols, with uh, some stuff that's been going on over there that's obviously called back to this season a little bit or a lot of bit with what happens at this challenge. It's just like, you know, it's no fun for anybody involved, for anybody watching it. And it's, if not the biggest thing, you know, one of the top two reasons why people do not enjoy this season as much because this happening, it really takes, you know, the wind out of everybody's sail. It's just, you know, everybody's having a good time there's the bump in the road with jenna and you know jenna goes home and everybody's trying to get back into the game and then this happens yeah and so on the off chance that anyone doesn't remember exactly what goes down here pretty early on after one of the first attack zones happens where uh richard falls into the water and 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 speaking of that attack zone like you were saying some people really do just like it's over a pool of water but there's like an edge to it and people are getting slammed i know ethan hits his head pretty hard on the the side of the ledge so really not something that that uh they would hopefully do in the same way now but so after getting in the water Richard like he does decides to take his shorts off and continue through the rest of the challenge naked which gets a pretty eye-rolly kind of reaction from everyone just kind of par for the course for Richard but since this is a challenge where you're on these balance beams and um, connecting all of the different balance beams from one side to another are these little platforms that are probably you know only a few feet square and uh, people sort of have to get on them and pass each other uh, in that and so we, we get to a point in 
the challenge, near the end of the challenge, where Sue is coming back. She has a flag and she's coming back for her team. And it looks like she really only has to pass like one or two balance beams if she goes one direction and more if she goes another. And she decides to wait for Richard, who's on the side that has fewer balance beams, to cross her path so that she can take that route as opposed to taking the long way. And, and you know, Sue played with Richard in Borneo and she, she even worked with him a bit, but they sort of, much like her and Tom, have a kind of, uh, you know, they're, they're not really friends, but they're kind of frenemies, I guess. They, they sort of dislike each other and kind of rib each other back and forth, which they do at a lot of these challenges when you meet on the mat and do the sort of mat chat for the challenge. And this is sort of another instance of that where she basically says, you know, oh, oh, you know, I, I don't care that he's naked. Just no one wants to him. see that, Richard. Keep moving. Yeah, and keep moving on. No one wants to see that. And, um, and basically Richard passes by her and uh, in order to sort of tease her or mess with her, I can only presume, sort of rubs himself up against her while she's trying to go in the opposite direction. And and really, you, uh, the, 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 the challenge is shot, and I'm not sure if there were people on both sides, cameramen, I mean, but the challenge was shot from behind Sue. And so it's, it's, uh, it's pretty apparent what's happening, but based on the angle, it's, it's hard to tell who all is able to see what's going on. It sounds like the Mogo Mogo tribe doesn't really see it very much because their back is sort of in that situation. And, um, Jeff also, who, who doesn't exactly see what's going on, but kind of just, you know, tells Richard, you know, oh, come on guys, no one cares about all that kind of thing. Um, and, and much in the same tone, Sue's like, oh yeah, you know, that's just him being him and, and gets to the end and Shapira ends up sort of having a strategy of everyone jumping off and just letting Boston Rob run the end of the challenge. And so they end up winning. But the, the moment really during the challenge isn't really spoken of beyond that in, in this episode. Yeah. So that's going to be, that, that is pretty much it for this episode. Obviously uh, we'll get into the next episode in a little bit where this is going to become much more of, of a thing, a much more of a storyline because of the effect that it has on Sue. And, you know, at the time of, of when this happens, like you said, it's hard for us to tell exactly what happened and it doesn't seem like anything too, uh, you know, especially watching it back then, just, it didn't seem like anything like, oh, wow, this is terrible, which looking at it now, of course, that's, you know, it's a whole different mindset of, you know, this is, is completely not okay in any way. And, you know, if you ask Richard today, I think I've seen even uh, as of late him on Twitter, I, I don't know if it just had to do with the fact that he's not on season 40 and people were kind of asking about that. And then also as this stuff is coming up for this current season of Survivor, uh, people are kind of referencing it to him. And I think what he's been saying is uh, that he was like cleared of all of like, like, uh, I don't know if it was like the charge or whatever, like he was cleared as he did not, I guess, literally rub himself against Sue. And, you know, he'll, I guess, use that as his defense of why maybe it wasn't as terrible as people think it was. Of course, at the end of the day here, the point isn't whether he made physical contact or not. The point is what he did was disgusting and offensive. And, you know, it's it's one thing for him to be walking around the island naked all the time. People got used to it. Uh, you know, people that want to like, like, I, I mean, I, I couldn't tell you the first thing about nudists or anything like that. People that like, like live their life uh, without clothes. Uh, there's a lot of people out there that do that. Uh, and I guess Richard is somebody who obviously did that on the show. Um, but it's a completely different thing when you take that to the next level by, 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 you know, obviously 
just pushing yourself into somebody else's space and, you know, getting into their personal space and, and just presenting everything that you're trying to show to them uh, for, for no other reason besides him just trying to be funny and show off or whatever the hell he was doing in the moment that he was clearly not, you know, making a good decision and uh, it's ultimately not going to have a whole lot to impact his game. You know, he's, he's going to end up going home this episode, not because of that, but in terms of like real life implications, like there's a lot that's going to be coming out of this off the show with all that stuff going on and kind of uh, ruins a lot of the love people had for him, I want to say, uh, in the in the Survivor community. So just overall, not a lot of fun with everything that happens here. Yeah, it's it's interesting that you bring up that he's not going to be on season 40. And I and I don't know all the reasons behind that or if this factored into it at all. I think um, uh, given season 30's content, I think if he had been on season 40, uh, it would not have gone well. And I, I think maybe they may, might have even, um, you know, replaced him after after initially inviting him out there or something but you know I think the bottom line with all of this is that it doesn't really matter and we're gonna get into it in the next episode of of the debate of what happened does you know how much should it affect someone etc etc it doesn't really matter what someone does what what anyone's opinion on it is is of oh did it cross a line or did it not it's really up to the person who experienced it to determine that for themselves and it may be different for everyone and you know the the fact that that he was naked, which on his first season was a little bit more of a, oh, I'm, I'm, it, at least it was portrayed as I'm, uh, it's, it's my birthday. I want to be in my birthday suit. And also we're out here on this island. I want to, you know, do this naturally kind of situation. And then in this season, since it's pretty much, oh, episode one, Richard's got his clothes off. It's a, it's a little bit more just Richard wanting to be shocking is the way it comes across. And I think that this action and this challenge was uh, along that similar lines of, you know, he's, uh, obviously you know not interested in Sue in any way and um, he's more just trying to kind of mess with her is is the vibe that I got much in the same way that they verbally kind of goad each other but of course it's a different it's a completely different line when it's physical contact um, or, or near physical contact and it it's something that unfortunately <laughs> you watch it in this season and it seems like this oh dated thing and then obviously given season 39 unfortunately is not something Thing that is completely gone from the world or even close to that. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that we have a different perspective on this now as a whole, as a, as the fans of the show and also a community, but it's, um, you know, it, it's, it's it, unfortunate that this is something that still exists. Yeah, there's a lot of opinions that we'll see, you know, in the next episode of people who have a lot to say about how Sue reacts to this and whatnot. People who are like, uh, you know, and, and even Rob, uh, Boston Rob himself says, you know, who knows what Sue's thinking? Nobody knows what Sue's thinking besides Sue. Like, like maybe she's trying to cash in a paycheck or maybe she's really upset about this. Uh, you know, there is no way to know besides, you know, her. And I'm sure uh, a lot of people were probably thinking what Rob was thinking at the time because this wasn't a topic that was so relevant back then or that people really opened up about, people that people cared about as much back then. And obviously now is a completely different time where, like, thank God we're in the time that we are in now where people are feeling a lot more comfortable with, uh, you know, opening up about their experiences with that and so that we can take these people who are doing the bad things make sure that they are not doing it again to anybody else and and obviously in, in the extreme cases where you know they can be punished for the things that they've done uh, that they've been getting away with for so long and you know it's it's hard to wrap it all up and you know talk about this compared to everything going on in season 39 and then stuff that you know is happening in the real world and all this stuff it's just um, it is a very big topic that I'm glad is you know as of late we've been getting a lot of uh, coverage about it with uh, the stuff going on in th- season 39 a lot of people have been sharing their stories about 
all this kind of stuff. And it's been great that everybody's been able to have those conversations. But yeah, it's uh, it's crazy how this all goes down. And especially like us watching this as kids, I really didn't think a whole lot of it. I don't know what I was thinking uh, in terms of like, I, I don't remember like not like, I don't remember my opinion of Sue being any worse because of the fact that she left. Like I, I knew I was watching this woman who was very upset about something that just happened. And like, I don't remember questioning her about it. I think I was just like, she had a rough time with this and you know, she chose to leave. So, you know, I, I don't know if we want to keep getting too much into this Sue stuff because we still have to get Richard out of here before we get into episode six. But uh, it is, there's a lot to talk about. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely talk about it more when we get into episode six here in a couple seconds. Yeah, I will just say that what's mostly interesting about it here is that most of this, especially in the next episode, is going to be focused on Sue's reaction and not really on the scene in question that, that happened here. And obviously as the editors, you know, who had filmed the whole season knew what was coming in in the next episode with the reaction, you almost think that they would have highlighted it more. But I think the the point is when you get, you know, after this challenge, Mogo Mogo goes back to camp, really, they don't talk about it at all. And it, and it really seems like they were not really privy to what happened. Um, I didn't, you know, didn't see it or, or weren't at that angle or whatever. And it just really seems like no one, including Sue, really brought a whole lot up during the actual moment when it happened. And so that's the way that the show colored it. Yeah. So, so back at this Mogo Mogo camp, Ethan and Colby decide that they want to get rich, rid of Richard Hatch because he's the cancer in the tribe, which is something that is said uh, many, many times um, throughout this season, trying to cut that person out. And honestly, mostly on the Mogo Mogo tribe, because that's where everyone is uh, really, you know, the individuals who are bringing down the morale seem to be targeted quite often. It's it's interesting seeing what everyone is thinking in this episode. I, I will say at least for this tribe, everyone, even, even Sheehan, who a lot of people look down on and think isn't really a big player, they're all playing hard and in their own way. Um, you know, Ethan is worried about losing Rich for the challenges. Some people want to keep the strong players around. Some people are already looking at them as challenge threats instead. Jerry doesn't think it makes much sense to get Richard out because she doesn't want to pair up with three guys who will beat her in the challenges. So there's a little bit of an insurrection that goes on where Jerry and Kathy and Sheehan discuss the potential of getting rid of Colby because Colby is the one who decides that it's going to, that he's going to uh, save Ethan and, and get rid of Hatch. So there's a little bit of that going on. And when that is brought to Richard's attention, he's like, oh, okay, great. Well, we'll just get rid of Colby. So interesting how it started being definitely Ethan going home. And now it's between Colby and Richard. Yeah, so the dynamic on the Mogo Mogo tribe is pretty much going to stay consistent during this early part of the pre-merge, um, or pretty much the entire pre-merge. It's just everything goes back to Lex and Kathy uh, for you know the final decision. It's what do these two want to do because they're kind of at the core. In the same way that Rob and Amber over on Shapira are the core, they have the most uh, branches spread out throughout everybody else, and you know so things are going to come back to them. And then obviously with Kathy comes Sheehan. They those two have come close, become close during the first couple of days or weeks on this season. And you have people that kind of don't want Sheehan around, but at the end of the day, I think it is pretty clear that she's tight with Kathy and that's not really getting broken up uh, anytime soon. Plus, now that you have all these new people that came over from Saboga, there's a lot of targets around. So it's ultimately up to Kathy and uh, Sheehan what's going to happen here. I mean, of, of course, Lex is involved in that just as much, but I mean, Lex has like, got a lot more personal ties going on with some of these people. So Kathy and Kathy and Sheehan are able to come at this from a less connected standpoint where they can just decide for 
their game, you know, with nothing to do with personal relationships, what is the best move for them to go forward? Uh, and yeah, there's, there's, you know, different targets for different reasons here. Colby wants Hatch to go, Hatch finds out, and then obviously Hatch wants Colby out. And, you know, everybody's going to be making their pitch to the swing votes here. Jerry doesn't want to, you know, Jerry's going to link up with Kathy and Sheehan, but, you know, she's a little worried here because she doesn't want to, you know, vote out Hatch if she's going to be working with Colby because she got screwed over by Colby the first time. And there's a lot of interesting dynamics going on here over on the Mogo Mogo tribe. It's just so like this, like this, they are playing Survivor. It's just funny because the other tribe is the one who's going to obviously end up being more victorious in this game. And they're just having fun, a great time over there. Well, not all of them, obviously. Sue's going back to camp a little, uh, a little not doing well, but uh, Mogo Mogo very much playing the game. Yeah, it's interesting how the show kind of portrays this as a little bit boys versus girls on this tribe. But like you said, it really comes down to Kathy and Lex in the middle. And uh, I think there's an element of Kathy not liking that Colby is uh, kind of acting as the leader of the tribe here and not consulting her when uh, this decision is made. But she also doesn't in the end want to make this move against Colby because she knows that Lex will be upset with her if she does it um, without consulting him. So it's uh, it's it's probably underreported how much Kathy's Kathy was really uh, had a hand in what was going on in this tribe. She's the she's the swing vote for a lot of votes and uh, a really key pivotal player here. Um, and I, I kind of wish that the I think if you if you're a if you're a big strategic fan and you're really following it, you can see what she's doing. But just like I feel like the casual viewers did not have the same opinion of her necessarily. Yeah, probably not. I mean, looking back, you definitely get her as a narrator for for a lot of this, which I think is good because, uh, you know, she is one of the most important players in terms of decision making over there. And she does kind of walk us through her thought process for the majority of it, which I mean, I am the, one of the biggest uh, Kathy Vavrick O'Brien stands out there uh, was at the time and continued to be this to this day. Uh, loved her on the show. And I'm just so glad that, you know, she did end up getting to play twice and that we got to see, you know, obviously this game didn't go so well for her, but just to see her out there again. And, you know, the, anytime that she does smile, anytime that, you know, Shapira, you know, for that brief time that they're going to steal her a little bit and they can crack a smile on Kathy's face. I'm like, all right, I hope you're having a little bit of fun. She's she's great. And, and was someone who I think when I was a when I was younger watching this show, I didn't really see her in the same light. But as I've gone back, she's someone who's really grown on me actually much in the same way that Sandra has when I watched her seasons the first time I didn't didn't really see all of what she was doing and in, including being a narrator. But when you go back, you really do see that there was more going on. So yeah. gotta love Kathy. Yeah. So not not a whole lot during the tribal really comes out just kind of reiterating the conversations about power players and if it's time to get them out or not. Richard votes for Colby. Everybody else votes for Rich. And of course, he has his famous line of I've been bamboozled when he when he goes out. Yes, he has. And, uh, you know, it's uh, we're going to close the chapter on Rich's game here as a Survivor All-Star. Of course, he was very deserving of this spot. He was the first ever winner of the game, still regarded by many to be one of the best winners of the game. He, you know, people say that he invented the game, which, uh, you know, we'll uh, we'll get into that next time we talk about Borneo, uh, which isn't happening. But, you know, there's there's, uh, you know, of course, Richard was going to be there. And of course, he was going to go out early. He was just too big of a threat to, to be kept around too long into this season. So not surprised to see him go out here. Just very sad that, you know, even though he's gone, he still very much had an impact on what's to come next. Yeah, which is something that mostly rolls over in terms of what happens with the pre-jury trip. I know that they will separate the people out a little bit. So that Rob has mentioned, of course, going on the pre-jury trip with Tina and Rudy and uh, Rich, but that Rich sort of did his own thing. And so it was really just the three of them. And then everybody else who's voted out here in the pre-merge gets 
gets to go on a different trip and hang out together. So I think that the production at the very least made the right decision there, but it's obviously not a decision that they wanted to make for these reasons. So, all right, episode six, let's get into a bit more of this discussion here with Rich and Sue. This is episode Outraged from March 4th, 2004. Kathy and Jerry and Sheanne talk a little bit, Amogamogo, about what went down with the vote last night, where she mostly says that she, you know, would have liked to get Colby out, but it wasn't the right time, and she didn't want to uh, ruin things with Lex over that. Sheanne actually notes that Kathy is one of the biggest power players in the game right now, and that no one else besides her is noticing. Uh, This is another through line you have with Sheanne throughout the season of kind of Sheanne really being a great observer of people's games, and noticing maybe some people who everyone else is not picking up on. Yeah, and it's uh, obviously very frustrating to some of these other players, uh, particularly Colby, uh, is going to get very fed up with her, uh, you know, in the time between now and when he gets uh, ultimately voted out. And it's got to be, I mean, I can imagine I'd be annoyed because a lot of people are looking at Sheanne like, uh, you don't even deserve to be here. I don't even know how you got cast on All-Stars. And then as you get deeper into the game and you realize that she actually has power uh, and that she's not really in danger of going home anytime soon, it's like, wow, how did I end up in this spot? Like, I'm, I'm Colby. I'm Jerry. I'm the Survivor All-Star that was like supposed to be here and this person who, you know, probably just filled in spot number 18 is uh, is now got my life in their hands. So I can imagine the frustration and, uh, you know, not only the fact of like who she is as a player in the game, but the fact that she does not get along with anybody out there. Uh, rough times to be anybody besides you know, like Kathy, like I said, uh, you know, dealing with Sheehan. Sheehan has a talk with Colby where she feels like she didn't like that he called her out at the tribal council not something we actually saw at the tribal council but apparently he called her out for being a under the radar player and that he didn't respect that gameplay he basically tells her in person yeah i don't i don't respect that because you don't have to make any big decisions you just wait to be told who to vote for and you never have to be the bad guy which is interesting because that also comes on the other hand with colby was the bad guy last night and could have been voted out because he was the one to make the decision and i think a more modern gameplay would state that it's not the smart decision to be that out in front person and it's better to maybe not exactly be waiting for the vote like Sheanne but but you know Sheanne wasn't just sitting there waiting she was smart enough to make alternative plans quietly and without necessarily everybody noting so I think Sheanne was definitely a little bit ahead of her time in terms of that gameplay because she's not just you know someone floating by there she she is playing just quieter and uh, Colby is like the epitome of old school gameplay yeah I mean at this point in modern Survivor Colby would have already found an idol production would have just dropped it in his bag so uh you know mm. sucks sucks for him that he had to play in this era and had to worry about she ends yeah. but you know if he ever well i mean he did come back but if he ever wants to come back again uh i'm sure he'll uh, he'll be just fine yeah yeah great over on shapara big tom likes rupert they discuss a little bit more of you know these new members of their tribe here and how they're fitting in rupert wants to be the provider and tries to go out and catch some fish sue is sort of being the provider of her own by bringing in these snails that i think they call eyeballs that they're eating which look absolutely disgusting that are on these rocks but hey it's survivor do what you gotta do and uh, you get a clip of boston rob who says something that he says multiple times throughout the season which is basically rupert can keep catching fish and feeding me until i determine that it's time for him to go so rob is not just being the narrator and, and being in a good spot in this tribe but he feels pretty aware that he is uh completely running things which here. is a fair assessment on his end i mean he's obviously being extremely cocky about it which i don't remember if it was rubbing like people the wrong way that were watching I mean it wasn't rubbing me the wrong way because I was watching this from the perspective of loving everything that Rob and Amber were doing so 
I was happy to see that he was, you know, doing so well and feeling so confident, especially knowing eventually that, you know, it was well-earned confidence. He was in a good spot the whole time and uh, all the way to the end. But yeah, uh, pretty cocky here from Rob early on. Yeah, I decide when people go. Great look for him. Probably if he had not done as well, this would be seen in a different light. But since it's colored by that, by that win or second place win, close enough. Alicia is talking a little bit about how she's just kind of sitting back and trying to feel Jenna and Rupert out. If Alicia was a little bit more of an aggressive game player, she probably should have not waited and just jumped in and snatched up Jenna and Rupert, much like Robin Amber do. It's kind of this, again, old school mentality of feeling comfortable with the tribe you're in and not really seeing the possible connections you could be making there for the future. This is also where we start getting into a little bit more about the Sue and Rich thing. Sue starts, you know, talking upset about about the Richard thing, hoping that he had a talking to about it. I think this scene actually probably took place before the Tribal Council, probably took place right after the challenge, and they just edit it into a different episode, because later on when it gets to day 17, which is the day that Sue's having a really hard time with, they mention, you know, the challenge yesterday. So I think this this initial scene is probably right after the challenge, where Sue is still sort of, she's fired up, but she's talking in still this sort of jokey way, mentions, you know, oh, I hope they vote Richard out. But then she also mentions, you know, hope he, they voted him out along with Ethan, you know, because they're both winners. So it's still this sort of mentality of wanting to get the winners out. And and I think the the initial post-tribe or post-challenge reaction from Sue of being sort of a little bit angry, but in this almost joking manner is something that a lot of people point to of whether or not she changed her tune for, for personal gain come the next morning. And it's something that, you know, and I, and I just want to be clear here, I'm stating this based on what I think the, the players and possibly the viewers at the time were thinking. Obviously, my stance on the matter is that it doesn't really matter if she had any ulterior motives in terms of personal gain. Regardless, this was a thing that happened and you, uh, you know, it's something that people are pointing to with season 39 of kind of this idea of, oh, well, if if they can if they can use this unfortunate thing that happened to them in to get any kind of positive out of it, then it must not have been that bad of a thing. And I don't think that people realize that it can be two things at once sometimes. It can be lots of things. You can you can have something that happens and and try to, you know, get a get a better outcome out of it just to, you know, make yourself feel better or to to get like any kind of win in the situation, but it still boils down to this was a bad thing that happened that she shouldn't have had to experience in the first For place. Sure. And the reactions this time for the situation going on here are a lot different from the ones that happened in season 39, mostly because in season 39, it's like a lot of the players, and we're still learning information about this, you know, as of the time of this recording, because we don't have all the information, not everybody's doing exit interviews. And a lot of people are telling us that out there, they didn't know the severity of the situation. They didn't know, uh, you know, that they knew that this was something that was happening, but they didn't realize the extent of it. Uh, You know, when the producers talked to everybody, they didn't realize, you know, that it was as bad as it was uh, and all that stuff. This is a situation where everybody saw what happened, at least over on uh, Shapira. Mogomogo is going to say, you know, that happened on uh, the other side. So we didn't even see it. We didn't even know what was going on. But Shapira knows what happened. Obviously, Sue is there to tell them everything that she's feeling, you know, that she, that happened during the challenge. Uh, you know, she she's expressing her every emotion to the people that are, are around her as, uh, you know, of course, it's good that she's able to get these uh, frustrations out and that Amber and Alicia and people are trying to comfort her and trying to make her feel better. And, and you know, um, they're agreeing with her, 
everything that she's saying. They're like, you know, no, he was, uh, you know, Rich was wrong. Uh, you know, we got you. Don't worry. Hopefully he's gone and we'll be fine here. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, she's not fine. So it is interesting to see some of these other people's reactions and not all of them are great. It's very annoying to hear everything that comes out of Rupert's mouth at this mouth at this point. He's very much of the mindset of like, he's like, oh, Sue could have handled this so much differently. She's making it such a big deal. And I, I literally wrote down in my notes, uh, STFU Rupert, like, but like all spelled out and all in caps. So that's how I was feeling watching what Rupert had to say. It's it's frustrating that, that she had to go through this and that we have to, you know, sit here and watch somebody just completely lose it on television because they're so upset about this. And of course she has every right to be this upset, but it's frustrating that I don't like, I don't even know. I, I guess it's such a, such a quick turnover that maybe if this was like a day or two later or even a day later and Sue was upset about this, maybe they would have taken Rich out. I don't know. Cause obviously he gets voted out that night. So it's hard to say what might've come next uh, if they had more time to talk about it. But you know, she, like I said, or like we said earlier, regardless of the fact that he's gone, uh, you know, she still wants to go. And a lot of the stuff that you see whenever people wonder, you know, about what, what her vote motivations for leaving are, et cetera, is I think it just takes one person to watch, you know, her confessionals where she's crying and saying, why do you have to touch me? Why couldn't he have just walked by like everyone else? That you see that this is affecting her, obviously. And and this is an emotional moment. She's crying. Alicia notes that, you know, being out here, I think Alicia and Amber both state sort of that being out here and being by yourself makes you think about things differently and, and you don't have those those loved ones to comfort you, which which can just sort of make everything worse and worse. And, and almost having the 24 hours and having the time to sleep on it is um is also something that's that's making the situation worse. And, and it doesn't matter. Yeah, that, that Richard went home. It still happened. Uh, that's not I, I would say that that's a like a added bonus that that he wasn't there any longer. And, and you know, in it's it's hard to think about what it would have been like if he hadn't been voted out probably would not have made the situation better. I would like to think that after the conversation that Sue has with everyone and with Jeff that he would not have remained in the game. But obviously we have no way of knowing what the policies were at that point in time or what would have happened. Yeah, you, you get Boston Rob wondering aloud if any of what Sue is doing is also gameplay. But but like you mentioned earlier, he says, you know, this situation is serious anyway. And, and with a situation like this, you really you might think about it, but you can't question it. And you can't question her motor. You just have to give her the benefit of the doubt because of how serious it is. So I'm glad to see that that's that's his stance. And and uh, and like you said, Rupert uh, is just, you know, I, unfortunately, the two people who I would say come across the least good in this whole situation are Rupert and Kathy, actually, who sort of feel like this is something that Sue should have should have handled and should have reacted differently. And they're they're more going on about her reactions and you don't really hear them say anything about oh it just shouldn't have happened kathy is going to make that comment later on where she's like she brought us into her core of hate and and she didn't like that at all she's like i don't like her for it and it's you know another person who has a not great reaction to it but you know if you're going to give anybody like any of these other players uh the benefit of the doubt which you know it's it's hard to but in a time like 2004 where this wasn't as anywhere near as much of a thing as it is these days no like i think nobody knew how to react because it wasn't something that came up all the time and I have to hope that at least somebody like Kathy who does seem like a very caring understanding person in a time like this would react much differently but you know it 
just at the time, it's really not a good look. Yeah, you would you would hope that they would react differently. And also, you know, for for Kathy, who hasn't been living with Sue and, and doesn't know her as well and hasn't uh, didn't didn't see what actually happened. It's it's all this blurred line of the way they're looking at it. So Sue does end up leaving the game. And it's it's also sort of a, a weird look of the and there's there's some element of this when Jenna leaves as well, which is the the idea of these people should stick it out because you're hurting the tribe to leave. We're, we're losing, we're down a number, we're losing a person, which makes, you know, all of us more vulnerable if we have to go to a vote, but also, you, you know, someone who's, you, you get this, you know, something that would never come up now of, of uh, oh, but you're not going to be around camp to help help yeah. out, you know, you that that kind of sort of is, is, is like a almost bizarre thing to hear. Completely, yeah. Given how, how Survivor is played now, but they, uh, they go to this reward challenge which is is where sue mentions that she wants to leave and yeah jeff really doesn't say much in this in this whole section um he he opens up the conversation announcing that richard was sort of being inappropriate to which sue responds. it wasn't yeah, just sort it of wasn't jeff. sort of yeah it wasn't sort of she the words she uses are that she was sexually violated she gets very emotional and and i don't even she know was violated like, humiliated yeah. dehumanized and totally spent jeff. jeff yeah which is something that has stuck with me from the many many times watching this and is something that always stands out to me as being i think the main thing that i feel when watching this scene in particular is just like overwhelmed every time i watch it a lot of emotion of, yeah yeah it, there's there's a lot going on there's a lot of emotions i think when i was younger i, I would i would sort of feel bad for jeff for <laughs> for how he was being targeted with this, which I think is a much more accurate targeting nowadays. I think just given the time that he was in back there when he really didn't have as much say over the show, but he is the face of, you know, what the contestants get to talk to and who they get to, you know, he is the face of production yeah, there. Yeah. So so it makes sense. But yeah, it's it's just a situation that nobody I... wanted to be in. And it's like, it's rough to see Sue get to that place. It's rough to see, you know, not only we know where she's at at this place, but like the fact that she's going to take every ounce of 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 hurt that she's feeling and she just lets it all out and you know Jeff kind of ends up being on the receiving end of it but I mean at this point it's like everybody else that's questioning Sue and her motives here are kind of doing it to the camera or to each other and of course Jeff as the host here has to you know ask her questions and and kind of under you know bring out why she's leaving for the show like we have to make sure that the audience gets like this final conclusion of why she's leaving but you know Sue does take it very personally when Jeff is like asking her questions like so it doesn't even matter that he's gone she's like no it doesn't matter like i'm leaving like this like enough so she doesn't like really being questioned here she's made her decision she's ready to go and you know what else is there really left to say at this point she's you know everybody's ready to to let her go there's really not much that they can do they've tried uh, you know people on her tribe tried to calm her down and tried to bring her back down to earth and and say listen you know he you know you will get you through this but she's you know she she's got her husband back at home and she doesn't want to make this any worse so she you know the only way that she can regain some power in this situation or regain control over what's going on, I should say, uh, is by just taking matters into her own hands and just removing herself from the game. It's really sad that that it happens. It's sad. it's terrible that she had to go through it. It's it's weird that we don't get to have in, any closure between her and Rich, but also probably good that we don't. It, just the way that the, the show worked out there. But yeah, it's something that, that definitely colors the season in a, in a negative light and is something that it, 
I'm trying to sort of like justify why I still like the season despite this moment happening. And I think some of it is just that the parts where Sue is on the show before this happens, she's so entertaining and so strong as well that, you know, it's it's a terrible thing that happens, but it's good that she was still out there for that portion of time anyway. Yeah, it's just rough to see things play out this way. We weren't getting a whole lot of Sue's thoughts throughout the season. We weren't getting a whole lot of the tribe was having fun all around her. And if you could tell if anybody wasn't having as much fun as everybody else, it was Sue. You know, we had the dynamic between her and Tom, but ultimately we know why we weren't getting a whole lot of her because her story is going to end in a way where when you st- when it's time to say goodbye to her here, we do get a lot of uh, of Sue. So, you know, she's uh, she's on her way out and I think it's rough, but, you know, Jeff's going to ask them here, do you guys, what do you guys want to do? You want to go back to camp and uh, we'll call it a day. Everybody seems pretty exhausted uh, or do we want to go on and play the challenge? And, you know, we do have one person who's like, we should probably just sit back, relax and talk about it being Jenna Lewis. But everybody else is like, no, we need to get this game back into gear. We need to, you know, try to have some fun, try to, you know, let's get the competition going again or or whatever we need to do to get some kind of normalcy back here. And uh, they do opt to play this challenge. Which I think, and and I, <laughs> really just shows uh, Jenna sort of being a little out of touch with the tone of everybody else in this game. But I, I think part of what is allows for the rest of this season to be positive in some ways is the fact that Richard isn't here and that he, especially that fact that he left before Sue, you know, this was a thing that happened, but it, then it was it was very much taken care of in, in terms of the, the lasting effects on the season, much in the same way that the, the Jeff Varner and Zeke situation was it happened it was terrible and then it was over and I think that that's what is bring being called to light about current seasons not necessarily having the same situation going on so it's is unfortunate they do elect to play the reward challenge instead instead of just divvying it up and it's one of the the few other times where Mogo Mogo does win now that there's only two tribes here they can't just come in second place and it let's see is this the catapult yeah catapulting items into a basket challenge which is a little bit of a nothing challenge it kind of happens they win shish kebabs and that's uh that's pretty much it uh, the only challenge we're going to get in this episode obviously there's no immunity challenge but i mean they they did this one a couple times nothing nothing too special but you know still fun if you like watching uh some basic level competitions so it was uh it was something yeah it 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 happened (laughs) it happened and and this is where you get back at the at the mogo mogo tribe where they're kind of discussing this whole situation for the first time because they didn't see it um, during the challenge. And, and this is where you have Sheehan saying that, you know, she knows Richard and knows that he's a jerk, but he wouldn't have purposely tried to sexually violate someone. Sheehan feels sorry for Sue that she had to go through it. And and Sheehan was another person who, when the two tribes met up before Sue left, was really seeming to uh, have her heart go out to Sue. And then on the other hand, you have Kathy, who, like you said, feels sorry for Sue, but that Sue should learn to contain her emotions emotions and not make everyone else feel it, which I think is a, a particularly not great look in the light of day years later. I, I I just really don't love this reaction that people are having, which is that uh, that it's it's like Sue's fault for for feeling something over yeah, this. And, and one of the worst, you know, reactions of all is the one that's going to come up later on in this episode where after all is that that all takes place, we get freaking Big Tom and his happy yeah. dance that Sue's gone. Yeah, which uh, Alicia does does call out as uh, Tom being insensitive. And, and there's actually a moment where Alicia is speaking to the tribe, I, I believe. You, you don't actually see her, and so it's hard to tell if it's a confessional or if it's her 
speaking to the tribe, but I believe she's actually talking to them and, and sort of calling Tom out in, in person here and saying that Sue was a, a strong member of the tribe and it, it's, you know, sad that she's gone, even um, even if we didn't all love her on a personal level. So I'm glad that we have Alicia sticking up for Sue at the very least. And, and I know that Tom didn't like her, but a little bit distasteful. Yeah, definitely too much. Uh, you know, Shapira, uh, now that they have two extra members on their on their team with uh, Rupert and Jenna, they are, you know, Sue's gone now. And now, you know, I, I wish we, I honestly wish they didn't show this, uh, you know, just because it, it's like, it's it just makes things so much worse. Like uh, everybody giving their opinion is whatever. But the fact that like we end the episode with a person that was just, you know, sexually harassed, uh, somebody's, you know, celebrating the fact that they're gone after this emotional breakdown they just had. It's really gross. Yeah. So Shapira is going to, you know, eventually now, at least going into like next episode and the one after that, they're going to start getting back into their party ways and the the frat house picks back up and everybody's going to be having a great time while uh, Mogo Mogo continues to fall apart. The show clearly, unlike with the Jenna episode, clearly does not know how to end this one. It, it's got a very bizarre ending with the Shapiro tribe just like making food and uh, feeling kind of happy and you have this <laughs> weird and kind of rare confessional from Amber who, despite being the winner of the season, really doesn't get that many confessionals, especially early on, talking about basically, you know, it's sad that this happened, but we're a family and, and we're the tribe that can keep it together and we just like to think about the happy things, only have the highs and not think about the lows, even though they happen, which is spoken like someone who has not experienced uh, very many lows in uh, in this game or perhaps in life at this point. I know that she's only 25 years old, but yeah, it's they're, they're definitely the happy tribe, some of which is uh, coming across a little bit naive from her, her in this case, but going into episode seven, Sorry, I Blew It from March 11th is really just an entire party episode from the Shapiro The tribe. entire episode. I could not believe rewatching it how many times we went back to this damn boat. Like for anybody that is not rewatching along with us. So we're going to get it, it, you know, there's a lot of, there's some more stuff going on, but there's a reward challenge in this episode where Shapiro is going to end up winning it and they get to go onto a yacht for an entire day and they get to steal, you know, a member from the other tribe. They end up taking Kathy with them sorry uh with they take kathy with them and you know they're on this yacht they are there for every scene in the rest of the episode that we see shapira is back to them on a boat i think it's five different times that we cut you know back and forth from shapira to mogamogo shapira to mogamogo and every time they're still in the boat like imagine a se- like a reward challenge in any season currently where we get more than like two minutes of uh the reward challenge let alone like this entire episode was them parting it up on the yacht we have a really short scene at the beginning of the episode where Mogo Mogo is basically talking about how Jerry's really annoying and how she just is complaining about everything all the time and you have a pretty iconic scene of Sheehan and Kathy in the water where Kathy is going, my god, that girl is such a bitch, <laughs> in a very bizarre yes. a- accent. Colby's annoyed with Jerry and then a great confessional of Jerry saying oh yeah, I- I'm just the new zen like, easygoing Jerry which is just shows how self-aware Jerry is. A- and then you have the reward slash immunity challenge immediately into the episode after that which is it's not even it's not even that big or long of a challenge the challenge itself only takes a few minutes where they they swim out and they assemble a floating boat puzzle and then one member runs into the jungle to get a flag and comes back and it ends up being a foot race between rob 
and Ethan, and somehow Rob passes Ethan, even though Ethan had a pretty big head start when I think they're trying to untie the the oars in the jungle. And so Shapiro wins. It's a relatively close finish. It seemed closer partway through, but Rob makes up a lot of time in the jungle. And then, yeah, so they win, and immediately they pick Kathy to go on this reward with them. We don't even get a lot of talk from them about why they picked Kathy, which would have been a cool thing to see. I, I don't know if they thought that maybe she was safe and, and wouldn't have been voted out. It's not It's not really a very obvious pick. Do you have any insight into that? Yeah, well, I think uh, from, like an, uh, from knowing what was going on behind the scenes of this season, I think it definitely makes a lot of sense. Obviously, you have to imagine that Boston Rob was the one who was deciding who they were picking at the end of the day. Like, you know, I'm sure they were all huddling up, but Rob is going to be the one who ends up having, you know, the final say. Before the season, there was definitely, you know, pregame stuff going on. Of course, there was the Lex and uh, Big Tom alliance that we really haven't talked a whole lot about. I mean, it'll come into play a lot more when we get to the merge. There was an alliance before the season with Lex and uh, Big Tom that they came into the game with. And I think all along, you know, Lex figured that he was going to link back up with Tom whenever they got to the merge together. And you can kind of see that the different, you know, both tribes have different dynamics forming with Tom being with Rob and Amber. And then you have Lex being with Kathy. So I think both sides were kind of seeing how things were shaping up where if they, you know, come together at the merge, they have people on both sides and they kind of like they saw it right in front of them. So I think that Rob probably knew that Lex and Kathy were people that were, you know, uh, potential allies for him in the future if he needed them. Obviously, it doesn't look like he needs them. He's got plenty of them and he's not going to need Lex and Kathy. But I think it does make sense at this point because what is what does Rob need out of Ethan or Colby or Lex? I think bringing in Kathy and starting to make her feel comfortable is definitely uh, where he wants to go from here. And I think that has to be, you know, ultimately why they end up choosing her. It's also possible that Rob and Kathy had some pregame alliance being that they were both from uh, for sure, season yeah. four Marquesas. So that's also definitely possible. Either way, Kathy fits in very well with the Shapiro tribe while they're on this but boat. But does she? Which... I mean, we hear a lot about how Kathy fits right in with them, but she does not look very happy this whole time. She's kind of like, they're all smiling, dancing, laughing, and she's like giving that like half smile, like <laughs> thanks, but like she does not seem very happy to be there. I think that she initially was feeling like it was not great for her game yeah. to be there. I'm sure at the point when they get a couple drinks in her, she might be loosening up a little bit. I, I would say that it, I can't picture, you know, Jerry or Sheehan or someone else being here. I think with Kathy, you have to take from her word a little bit the thoughts that she's having to her, her confessionals, which are that, you know, she feels like she fit in at least or that they welcomed her with open arms and that she seriously considers what the scenario might be like should she get to a merge situation and want to, you know, play both sides a little bit, which we'll talk about more when it actually happens. But at this point, it seems to be that she's at least thinking ahead a little bit there. There is just, like you said, so much of this episode. I didn't clock exactly how much time it was, but I got to imagine at least 20, 25 minutes of the 42 minutes is just them on this mm-hmm. reward. They are on a boat. They eat a lot of food. They sing a lot of songs, do a lot of dances. They go to a second location to get desserts and go in a waterfall and then get back on the boat. It like, looks I like had a forgotten great time. about half of this. Like, it definitely looks like they're having a lot of fun, and I'm glad we got to see, got to see, I, 
I would have liked to see just some of it because we really didn't need all of it. But then again, like this also isn't the time in Survivor where, uh, you know, we need to be seeing like strategy and all this stuff because there's not as much of that going on. I mean, obviously we do get some of it from Logo Mogo when they, you know, they have to eventually decide who's going home for this round. But I mean, this is a lot of just what you think of when you think of like classic Survivor of just seeing how they're interacting and seeing things that they're doing together. And, you know, this uh, it's not usually a reward that goes on for this long. But I mean, I don't hate it. I, it's uh, it's it's fun to see them all having a good time. But it is shocking that they don't even have like a sponsor that they're calling yeah, out. I, good, I you point. know, they, they go golfing on the boat. And I, I took some more gifts of this moments of Rob trying to hit the golf ball. But are your gifts on like 1.5 speed? <laughs> yeah, I wish. I, I, I did watch the whole thing. I had to turn it down to one speed to yeah. take the gift. But yeah, Rob falls and then he tosses the golf club into the water. There's just a lot of that. And Kathy is considering flipping. Big Tom tries to catch a fish but can't do anything. Meanwhile, back at Mogo Mogo, poor Ethan feels like he let everyone down for losing the lead with the untying the knots. You know, this is one of a few times that Ethan mentions, you know, going into a hero or goat position and ending up being the goat, which is something that I, you know, I wonder if anyone's tracked when that started being a common phrase on Survivor, but I think that this is uh, is around the time when it could have been starting because nowadays, obviously, you hear about goat players all the time but sometimes people forget of the origin of a goat player is that you know it's, it used to be you would be the hero or the goat and then you would end up being the goat but at, nowadays it's just kind of the name for uh, terrible players who are taking yes the or p- players who are starting to recognize that they are goat and uh, are trying to do something about it rough times over at mogo ethan initially wants to capitalize on jerry and Sheehan sort of arguing but then of course lex who's really running things over here especially with kathy not being gone he has another chat that he's had a couple times with camera saying, you know, he wants to play different than he did in Africa. He plans to make the hard decisions this time around and lie. And this is the start of Lex. Uh, this is something that people are going to point to a lot with what happens between Lex and Boston Rob later of Lex kind of being a little hypocritical here with uh, he feels like he can separate friendship and game and vote out his friends, but then uh, gets upset when the same thing happens to him, obviously. He, uh, he wants to get Colby out a little unclear exactly why I think Lex is uh, kind of falling into that playing a little hard a little fast at this point. Obviously he views Colby as a physical threat and probably a strategic threat as well but he's not exactly realizing that he's going to need some of these numbers on his side that uh, before the merge situation because I think Colby probably would have stuck with Lex uh, just because who else is Colby going to? He hates Sheehan doesn't like Jerry either he's not going to work with them um, and so he's either flipping over and working with other sort of strong players or he might as well just stick with Lex and Lex decides to instead side with Jerry and Sheehan to vote Colby out. Yeah I mean his his mindset here is um, obviously well I think we can see that he's going to stick with Lex it doesn't seem like he has anywhere else to go but Lex's mindset here is like all right, well pretty much everybody on this tribe comes back to me like I'm kind of at the center of things so it doesn't really matter like at the end of the day it really doesn't matter which way he goes everybody is going to stick with him when it comes down to like the merge coming up soon they all like they all feel good about lex so i guess at a certain point it's like him just trying to take out people who he knows are the bigger competition he keeps around people like jerry or Sheehan who are not a threat to his game when you get down the line uh but if you have somebody like colby around that probably would have helped you out maybe make it past uh, that first vote coming up at the merge like if colby or ethan is still there 
with him at the merge. Maybe Rob goes to Lex and says, hey, like, stick with us for a little bit and we'll get rid of Colby and we'll get rid of Ethan. And then maybe he can make something happen later on. But, uh, you know, by taking them out here, it puts him in a spot where he is going to later on be the first target in line uh, for Rob and the Shapiros once they get to the merge. So, you know, in hindsight, not uh, not his best option to have gone with here, but he feels really good about what he's doing. He's very happy to be taking out a big target here. And again, you know, in the coming vote. The meat shield strategy was not a uh, not in play Certainly in the season yet. This is also something interesting that, you know, it was pretty common knowledge at this point that Lex and Big Tom had a pregame alliance and obviously they were in Africa together. Underreported the fact that Lex and Ethan really did not have exactly the same connection. They were friends, but they did not go in, uh, at least on Lex's side, with feeling as loyal to each other because something that happens here in this episode is that they vote Colby out, but Ethan is left out of the vote and him and Colby vote for Jerry. Why do you think that Lex did not tell Ethan the plan? Well, yeah, for this round, I don't I don't even know. Just maybe because of the fact that Kathy wasn't there, he didn't really have like somebody to bounce the ideas off of or whatever, or he just wanted to make sure that this went through because he didn't have Kathy there. So it needed to be these three votes locked in on Colby. By allowing Ethan to know the plan, maybe they're able to pull in a Jerry or a Sheehan if he's not f- like fully confident in that and they could have flipped the votes on him. Uh, so it probably did make sense for him to go this route this time by not telling Ethan what was going on. Uh, obviously, we see that next round where it's Ethan going home, he does kind of fix that uh, and he takes the opportunity that he has to tell Ethan that he is going to be the one that goes. So, I don't know. In this spot, it probably just makes a lot more sense to play it safe. Yeah, it's it's just interesting that they are not as close, both being from Africa. I think uh, people like to lump the three Africa guys in together, but I don't think they're really exactly as much of a cohesive group as as people would like would have liked them to be. Um, I would have liked it if Lex and Ethan could have stuck together a little longer. Probably would have been better for Lex's game altogether, but this is the second vote after Ethan has joined this tribe where Ethan was supposed to be the first person voted out on the new Mogo Mogo and inst- instead is the third. So really, Ethan should just be, I guess, <laughs> counting his uh, yeah. blessings that he made it this far to begin yeah. with. But going into this next episode, episode eight, Pick a Tribe Mate from March 17th, Mogo Mogo gets back from Tribal Council. Kathy's there. And she states again, you know, the differences between her tribe and Shapira, which is that Shapira is having fun and enjoying the game and her tribe is just all serious. No one gives her any hugs. And she's questioning a little bit the decision to vote Colby out. She she does feel that Colby was holding their tribe back because he didn't trust anyone. But now, unfortunately, Ethan is questioning everything and is in that situation. And uh, Ethan obviously feels blindsided. He says, don't I feel silly since he was, you know, thought he was pretty close to Lex and was still left out of the plan here. Yeah, you can tell that Kathy was upset with uh, the fact that she got taken, you said this, you know, for the last episode, the fact that she was taken by Shapira there. I think she, you know, probably, I don't know if she was having fun with the role she's been in, but she was definitely like, she, she was, she's been in charge of her own game. Her and Lex have been at the center, like, we, like I've been saying. So the fact that this was, you know, a vote was about to go down without her direct influence or opinion being, you know, included in the decision was 
not something that uh, she was loving. So, you know, I, I don't think she like it was the it, it definitely wasn't like a bad choice for her to go home. I think she probably would have preferred Ethan go, whatever it is. But yeah, at the, the point is that she's getting back and she's like, Ugh, I just really wish I was there. On the other hand, Jerry is extremely happy that her goal has been achieved of beating Colby. And she has a great line here where she says, you know, do you hear that? That's the bellhop. And he just came and took all my baggage away. So great, great line. Yeah. Good for her for beating Colby, which is something that he, even though she does it in this season, it's still her same plot line in uh, season 20 when the two of them come back. <laughs> but kind of kind of cute at that point that they're still trying to beat each other. They got this own little vendetta yeah, these, going on. These two on just and... can never play Survivor without the other one. It's uh, it's very yeah. unfortunate that, it, you know, they can't call Jerry back anytime soon because Colby doesn't want to come. And I'm making that up, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was true. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's the deal. They got to come together. So we go into this reward challenge where both tribes, much like the title says, they have to pick a tribe mate. And so Jenna pulls the short straw, which is just par for the course for Jenna over on Shapira. And, I, you know, it's I feel like this game, it's like you, you can't help pick on her. The editors are clearly picking on her at all times. And then Kathy volunteers to go for Mogo Mogo. So uh, they both go and, and you get this moment where Big Tom shouts out, you know, have fun and see if Ethan's and my alliance are still tight. <laughs> so he's uh, at least kind of rolling with the the, the obviousness of, of what's going on there. So each person gets to pick three items to play for for reward. Kathy mentions again that her networking skills here are coming into play. It's interesting to see what the two tribes priorities are because everything Jenna picks is food related and everything Kathy picks is like shelter protection related. So clearly they're living a little bit different lives. I don't know if the food situation on Mogamo is better. Yeah, well, they've got that tarp and the parachute and everything. And so winning different things. This is the log roll challenge, which is pretty fun and is something that we see again in what Gabon, I think might be the next time we see it. I feel like Bowtie Bob does log rolling, doesn't he? It's something like Couldn't that. Couldn't tell you. There, there's a, I know there's a moment in a later season. Of course, I've already mixed up my Nicaragua and my Vanuatu. <laughs> so what do I know? But yeah, no, this, this is a dangerous challenge. Another uh, added to the list of uh, I don't see this coming back anytime soon. The fact that uh, the fact that they're over water this time is helpful. Uh, and this is a very fun challenge. Uh, I remember it very, very well from all the way back then. And, you know, watching it again today, I still have fun watching it. You know, some of the matchups uh, are, are fun with, uh, you know, no, nobody can beat Boston Rob and they just continue to get so frustrated every single time uh, that they lose in whether it's the entire challenge or whether it's just an individual round. It's like they just can't get uh, can't get a win over this guy. It's still fun to see that that playing out. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I like this challenge. Yeah. Boston Rob and Amber are both really good at this. Sheehan is also good at this for whatever reason. Um, and, and they they all win their matchups. I think it's something that started in the previous challenge with that yacht reward. You start hearing the Mogamogo tribe. They don't say that they've lost to Shapira mm-hmm. and how bad it's losing to Shapira. They say how bad it is losing to Boston yeah. Rob. And so it's it's very clear that they're looking at him as the face and head of the tribe there and, uh, and, and that maybe he's just particularly cocky when he celebrates or what. But but this is a, a thing that starts and is a through line for the rest of the season of just it's not just that they don't want to lose they don't want to lose in particular to Boston yeah Rob. and I have bad news for them as the uh, rest of the season's going to unfold <laughs> yeah not great they win and Jenna goes and takes the items from Ogomogo and just another classic Jenna, Jenna Lewis moment of her being like oh it's a game they can't be mad at me because I won but I'm 
such a nice person and I brought them some soap and toothbrushes. Uh, so she's very proud of herself for giving them something in return. My main takeaway from this is just the fact that there's so much talk about the Hawaiian sling uh, and the fact that I don't know the last time I heard the term Hawaiian sling uh, on a season of Survivor. Yeah, the, a couple things here. Like, do you miss the sending person to raid the camp they, style They reward? absolutely should still do something like this. The Like, the fact that it, like, causes the two tribes to interact in a way of, you know, first of all, nobody would want to go in a season like today. Everybody would want to stay exactly where they are, which is kind of what you see from, like, the Shapiras. They're terrified to go over there because they don't know what's going to happen. Um, so, I mean, I guess there's not a whole lot of differences in that. Um, but it's something that, like, it has very low stakes in the game, uh, just especially when it's, like, you're picking what you can play for reward. Like, wh like what's the worst that happens? You uh, end up taking something from the other tribe that they already won in a reward, so you're kind of keeping things in the game that were already in the game, just switching them around a little bit. Uh, there's no downside at all to this challenge, in my opinion, and I, I'm very surprised that they don't still do stuff like this more often. Yeah, I, I like the kind of thing, if you're going to do reward challenges, at least have some of this, you know, tension of, of mixing up people and getting them to interact, which is always fun, and they tried doing that kind of recently, I guess, in Millennials versus Gen X when they had the summit, but it's not exactly the same, because, you know, it, at least there are some stakes here with there being a winner and a loser, and I, I definitely prefer this version of the tribe raid compared to the other versions that have been the, like, you have a minute to grab as much stuff as you can one, which is just incredibly unfair. So this one's at least a little bit better. Yeah. But they get all their new items and they're happy and Rob and Amber have a have a love connection here where uh, we get a little bit more talk from the tribe members of noticing that they're oh, uh, Rupert says, playing sucky kissy face, which is just love that game here. But Rob and Amber, they go off and uh, they have some romantic I don't know, cuddle times and we get some more confessionals of them which we've kind of been checking in with them throughout the season of where the status of the relationship is. Initially it was oh we're just flirting with each other but we're probably playing each other and at this point it's a little bit more of uh, you know Rob thinking Amber is cute and funny and beautiful and Amber saying that she likes the comfort and the ability to vent to him so that's nice and, and you have Rob here saying it would, it would be nice to have the million dollars and take the girl away too which I think is a fun thing when really she's the one who gets the million dollars yeah. and all he gets is the girl right. but I guess that's uh win -win. yeah and you know Amber's talking about how she uh feels 99.9 percent .9 confident in Rob uh you know you can never feel 100 percent confident in somebody but that's how good she feels with him and uh, you know that does make sense <laughs> compared to a lot of other you know close allies you never see Dom and Wendell feel 99.9 percent .9 with each other but that's they didn't have this relationship maybe if they did they would have felt uh this tight uh, you know maybe they would have ended up feeling comfortable going all the way to the end together because they would have walked away with a lot more than just a million dollars but that's not what they were looking for maybe if they had been playing sucky kissy face then uh things would have i gone think that was uh wendell's strategy before the game but you know it ended up working out a little oh, bit differently shit. and uh you know he still walked away with the money so i think he's fine there yeah but yeah, yeah it would definitely see you see this uh that they're the feelings are growing between the two of them in both like they're obviously very like attracted to each other like from a physical standpoint but like you know when you spend all of this time with somebody like in a situation like this and you guys are like cuddling every night and it's not just like the cuddles where like you're you know borrowing somebody's body warmth it, like they're obviously very much into each other which no surprise to see this you know so early on considering how things are going to play out so it's fun to watch the the two of them tracked throughout the season and uh, you know of course eventually that is that's pretty much just the main storyline of this season uh, or the main through line all the way to the end where they're going to end up in the final two together so fun to check in with them even though some people around them are not too pleased with 
with uh, all the noises they're hearing. But it's it's true love. What you gonna do? Like you had mentioned earlier, we got this Hawaiian sling business, which Rupert finally has the Hawaiian sling that the other tribe has been using. Uh, and there's some of this, you know, young cocky Boston Rob saying that you know you don't need Rupert if you have the Hawaiian sling, and uh, that Rupert's stock has dropped a little bit. And so Rupert goes out and catches some fish, and of course Rob goes out and catches a bunch of fish as well says it's like going to the the store and taking the um, little scooper and picking out a goldfish from a bucket if you have a Hawaiian sling so you also it's kind of it's kind of uh, cringy watching Rupert try to fake smile while Rob is catching fish and saying that Rob is a cocky pain in the ass but it's it's clear that Rupert is bummed that Rob is doing so well as well you know in addition they, to uh, I mean you have the first couple of episodes of the season where Rob's picking on uh, Rob's sister Nino and now Rob's sister Nino's gone so he's got to find a new punching bag and uh, Rupert's going to fill that spot here where he's making fun of him pretty much mostly behind his back like oh look at this guy talking like a little baby which I mean I think he's trying to talk like a pirate uh, I guess it ends up being a little mix of uh, like 99% or, or maybe like 90% pirate 10% baby but Rob's picking up on the baby part maybe a little bit of both and then a little bit to his face as well so uh, that's just that's what you're going to get with Rob he's uh, he's not the most subtle guy when it comes to all of these jabs he's making not exactly um, and he usually uses big Thomas is sort of his audience uh, like he's like audience as soon as Tom laughs he's like yep that was a good one yeah yeah so we move on to this immunity challenge which is the blowgun spear archery challenge uh, and I think Jeff even sort of mentions during the challenge clearly something that the production team did not realize was going to be as difficult as it was it's a much like the catapulting food challenge it takes place in the same area and it's like very short and not exactly super interesting to watch everyone sucks at the blowgun nobody can do it except for jerry is the only one to get on the target or on the board they do spear tossing which most people are also not very great at a couple people hit the board rupert connects closest to the center and so both tribes enter the last round with three arrows but the the bows that they're using are these like very rudimentary sort of bow and arrow things and you've got jerry versus boston rob rob barely hits the target and jerry doesn't hit it so it was a Shapiro win, but a little bit of an anticlimactic one. Yep, and now we're going to end up with Jerry feeling pretty bad that she let her team down. She tried to step up in a, in a moment where they needed her the most, and she had experience in this, and it should have been her moment to shine, but it unfortunately for her was not. So, you know, we're looking for the next person that's going to go home here, and I guess she's, you know, got reason to be concerned that it might be her, but with the game that Lex is playing, you know, she doesn't have a whole lot to be to be concerned about, and, you know, he's going to assure her of that, but yeah, no way to go, Jerry. You had, you had one 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 job one job didn't do it but yeah like you said doesn't really affect her that much she doesn't end up going home the mogo mogo tribe goes back and talks lex almost immediately tells jerry that she's fine that they're going to take out ethan but not to speak to him about it because he could try to pull a hail mary and then he immediately goes and tells ethan what's up so this is a thing that lex likes to do which is to have a little chat where he sits someone down and tells them why he's going to vote them out uh you know uses this line that he says several times that it's that it's all business this time around ethan tries to fight back a little bit but really doesn't have much to go on ethan tries his best to talk with kathy and and get jerry out because i think there's there's also just something here of you know having this person like jerry who's just lost them the challenge and is not bringing much to the team she's annoying she's talking about how hungry she is all 
the time and wants food. And for someone like Ethan, who's a pretty old school, you know, bring something to the tribe, be a great, you know, person, good physical competitor. Uh, he's he's mostly just bummed to lose to Jerry. For sure. And how awkward is that scene? Like with Lex and Ethan, obviously, like Lex has made it very clear to us. And, um, you know, we know what kind of game he's looking to play this time. And we know how he thinks he sees things shaping up with going into the merge. He thinks he might have friends on the other side, uh, something that we know. And he's taking in a bunch of goats with him. The people that he thinks that he'll have an easy time bringing along. They'll just keep voting with him and whatever. So obviously along the way here, he's got to lose somebody. And Ethan's the guy that's going to go next. So regardless of the relationship that they had, uh, you know, coming into this game, being on the same season together, being in the same final three together, he he's ready to let him go. And he uh, is just so, so sad to watch Ethan, you know, fighting for his life here. But there's really nothing he can do. Like Lex isn't saying like, I'm still thinking about it. Lex says, Lex says, you're going home. There's nothing left to do here. And, you know, Ethan's going to try to make pitches to other people and see like, or right, is there anything else we can do? Like he goes to Kathy and Kathy is like giving him a little bit of hope. But, you know, ultimately there is none. We, uh, you know, we're, we're definitely uh, we need to keep an eye on here uh, on. Sorry, keep an eye on Ethan here, just as this is the last Ethan that we're seeing in Survivor until his upcoming appearance. That's, uh, you know, a couple of months away for, uh, from now. So, you know, interesting to see how we went out here. Interesting to see how he might do if this kind of situation were to come up now. Yeah, Ethan is really just one of those classic, like, you know, as a kid or maybe your parents as you know, as a casual viewer, just love Ethan as a winner. He's just such a nice guy, good competitor, solid player, had a pretty good social game. Not really the most strategic player to mention, even in Africa. I think most people would say that Lex was the one who had his, pul- you know, uh, finger on the pulse of the strategic game a little bit more. But Ethan is just such a great guy. And then to, you know, the 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 life that Ethan has lived since season eight, uh, you know, until now with being a, um, you know, cancer survivor and, and even having relapsed a couple times and, and sur- you know, survived that. He's he's really an inspirational person. And it's, it's going to be so interesting to watch him play this game that I've, you know, I'm I'm not 100% sure how connected into the show and the community he's been since this point and whether he's really fully prepared to go out and, and play in such a changed game. He's going to be one of the most old school players to go out there who has not since returned. So um, it, it's it's going to be it's going to be really intriguing, but I'm, I'm glad that we live in a world where we get to see Ethan come back again. Yeah, I did a draft with Colin, uh, Colin Stone over on the Dom and Colin podcast. It was a couple of months ago, kind of right when we found out that the what the cast was and, you know, uh, they were doing a bunch of drafts over there. We did a draft for the least amount of votes that the players would get on the season. So basically, you were just drafting for somebody who you thought would get the least amount of votes when all was said and done. Like, you know, if they go home by, like, if, if somebody idles them out and, or sorry, if, if if an idol gets used on somebody else and then that person puts their vote on Ethan and that's how Ethan goes and he only gets one vote in the entire season, then uh, I'll be good on that because I want him to get the fewest amount of votes. I ended up picking Ethan over uh, first overall. He was my first pick. So he was the person that I said at the time that I think whatever the circumstances may be that I think the least amount of votes will fall onto him. Still stand by that uh, for the most part. I feel like I just see him as somebody who is, you know, he's not as well connected with everybody else. That's for sure. But I don't think that there's the sentiment of him being like some super strong player. Of course, like he's been so disconnected for a while. I think that he could very easily fit in with some of the other stronger players and I'm hoping that that's the case so that he does have a little bit of longevity in the game. Do you see any world where he could win season 40? 
Um, honestly, like, you know, why not? He's definitely not somebody where I'm like, uh, I have a hard time seeing it happen. He's nowhere near like, cause you know, like those are the people like the Robs, Sandras or other people who have such a big target on their back. Like those are the people going into season 40 where I'm like, really have a hard time seeing it. But Ethan's somebody that, you know, if he makes it down there, uh, I have no reason to believe why he can't like, you know, pull through a couple immunity wins if he needs to make fire, find some idols. I mean, he obviously has no experience doing that, but uh, how hard can it be? So I don't see why not. Yeah. It's, it's gonna be interesting i i could easily see him making it pretty far in the game just for sort of lack of being noticed even though that's the uh the opposite of the way that his game worked out this time around mm-hmm. so it'll be interesting to see yeah. but uh those that's uh that's episode three for eight for you it it's a really up and down set of episodes here you've got two pretty downer episodes going on and then you have got this uh you know series of kind of party episodes with Shapiro and then these just really bummer side of things over on Mogo Mogo. So it's, it's interesting. We, you, it does include my favorite ever Survivor quote, which is a quote by Boston Rob back in episode five, I believe, where they come come after that uh, balance beam challenge, actually, where Rob really sort of clinched the win for them. And he says, you know, I may not be as strong as some of them, but I guarantee I'm tougher than every single one of them, which is one of my favorite quotes and really describes the way that he plays the game. I feel like you mentioned that in a recent podcast. Uh, I, I am did, I remembering that I, correctly? Yeah, I mentioned that in, a, I think, the Twish episode yeah. <laughs> that I was on. Because um, I do have a necklace that quote on there, which I have very slightly uh, altered the quote to fit the necklace better. But that's fine because I, uh, I, I it was too many yes, words. It's a, it's a good quote. But yeah, these episodes, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, there's, like you said, some highs and some lows. Kind of, you know, these these six episodes, it's funny. Like you lose the two Amazon people. Uh, you lose the Borneo, you know, the remaining players from Borneo. Actually, that's not true. Jenna still in the game, but you lose, you know, Borneo back to back, and then you lose Colby and Ethan. Uh, and as many times as you and I have both seen this season, uh, I think both of us never remember. We we were talking about how we can never remember which one goes home first. So you know, two uh, two golden boys are going to go out back to back here, and uh, you know, time to move forward into the rest of the season. Yeah, I, I have some uh, some friends who have only only seen this season and not even the whole thing because we usually every once in a while we'll get around to trying to watch it, especially when we were in like high school and they were just really big Ethan and Colby fans and so I think we always sort of stopped watching right around this point when they when they both left because they were like oh but I love Ethan and Colby so uh, another my, my sister also falls in that line of people who um like to watch the young hot guys and that's pretty much it so hey, R- so Rob's still uh, there yeah. and uh yeah we'll uh you know see him for the rest of the season so yeah that's true that's true but fun fun stuff coming know. up with uh with the next week uh well uh, next week is if uh this is airing in real time uh, but the uh the upcoming episode where they have the swap and we all know how that goes and you know of course we're gonna end up losing uh our beloved jerry coming up and then a couple more you know not not the most exciting results coming up as the merge gets going but there's still plenty to talk through the game is really going to ramp up with both sides coming together with the merge and uh can't wait to talk about it yeah so we'll be back next time to go through the next few episodes we're going to go through episodes 9 through 13 which covers the next five boots and and that's where we get really the lion's share of the rest of these mogo mogo people so say goodbye to everyone you love if you were a fan of the green tribe and uh if not then uh be ready for a for a final episode that's just full of shapira yep. and uh that's you know as as a shapira stand through and through fine with it yeah fine with it well thank you for listening to this feel free to leave any other questions or comments or feedback on our website kowskycast.com 
gmail.com. That's cow with a K. Or on our Twitters. You can also follow me online everywhere at Frail Mary. And you can follow Matt online at Matt Ligori. And you're welcome to check out his blog, Survive 4321. <laughs> it sounds weird every time someone says it out loud. <laughs> Whew. Yeah, it looks more normal if you see it written yeah. down. But you can check that out on um, Rob has a website.com as well for some more Matt Ligori stuff. Yeah. Matt, do you have anything else going on? Uh, well, I don't know when people are going to be listening to this, but you know, if you yeah, are listening so to knows, this at any really? point uh, <laughs> while there's a challenge season airing, you can check me out doing some challenge coverage over on the Dom and Colin network. And if it's not challenge season, then there's another season coming up in the future. So that's what I've got. Yeah, great. All right. Well, until next time, talk to you later.